Um, but if there's anything that I've learned today, it's uh, don't, as a guy, don't go to the gym. Just, just don't ever go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do go to the gym, like avert your eyes, look at the ceiling, look at the fucking floor. Um, just do not be perceived. I mean, it's a little bit of a consolation that uh, I have a gym in the apartment that I stay. I mean, it's not in the apartment, it's in the apartment complex. Uh, and it's a small gym. It's not really equipped with a lot of stuff, but thankfully that's all the stuff that I need. Uh, I, I'm not yeah. like a heavy lifter or anything like that. So uh, I don't have the same problems that you do, I think. And, and I really, you know, I, I, I feel bad for you. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty bad time for... Uh, Especially from what I'm noticing, black men to go to the gym, you know. <laughs> yeah, basically, like you as a black man simply cannot exist in the public space without being seen as like creepy. That's just then it breaks. It's just what it is. So, uh, I, I did it is see, a little like, bit it, of a it is a little bit of a, like a Schrodinger's cat situation where uh, it's like you can't open like a, a recording equipment and like set it up there and then you know. Like the moment you set it up there, you're going to attract attention, but then you attract attention. Do you, you know, uh, are you cool with that? Or are you not? I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like it, it, the moment somebody starts filming, it's obviously going to have people looking in that direction and then yeah. you look in that direction and then you're incriminated. So it's yeah. a little bit of a dicey situation. Well, I mean, it's not, uh, I mean, for, uh, for black men, it's, it's not just us now. It's uh, everybody's feeling the pinch. I've noticed that like, in recent weeks, it's uh, it's also been Muslim men, and now it's Asian men. Uh, it's uh, basically if you're if you're an Asian dude that uh, has any problem with people like castigating Asian men as quote unquote white adjacent, uh, or as just like inherently misogynistic, um, incels, violent, etc., then you're just an MR Asian. Uh, especially in the wake of the, uh, the the couple of mass shootings that took place in California, basically. I mean, I say this. I say this only because uh, Rennie was the one who uh, pioneered it. But you know, I say any, any nigga is every nigga, and it's starting to seem that way for Asian guys too. Like any Asian dude is basically every Asian dude. So you should always apologize for the absolute worst people that come out of the Asian community. Doesn't matter where they're from. Doesn't matter what the background is. What their mental state is. Whatever. If an Asian dude does something wrong anywhere, you should prostrate and apologize for it. Q, Q isn't this great? I mean, doesn't this feel, it's a mate, like as an Asian dude, I feel like I've arrived, you know, like we have the same <laughs> problems as everyone else. And yeah. no longer can you say that, you know, we're separate and apart, like all the fucked up shit that they say about uh, everyone else, uh, Muslim men, black men or whatever. We're starting to get a little of that too. It feels like we're finally invited to the party. You know what I mean? Listen, when you so, when you get the when you get the when you get this the feeling that straight uh, blank men are the white people of blank people, you have fucking arrived. Yeah, have, we've like, made it. We're here. Discourse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like. I, I came across this term called cultural citizenship, uh, which is like. I mean, I, I was reading this book. Uh, in preparation for like, you know, talking about Asian masculinity and all of that, because like, uh, I wanted to be somewhat prepared, prepared. And like, uh, there was this term that this person used called cultural citizenship, which uh, is like oh something God. that <laughs> in the in the past, like, uh, uh, Afro uh, Afro American people and like, uh, you know, city shattered by mass murder. It happened just beyond the doors. I'm getting like a clip. Oh, that was like, weird. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. 
Sorry. But anyway, like, I mean, I came across this term called cultural citizenship, which is uh, when a, a, a minority ethnic group uh, gains, like, the cachet in the in, in white society, basically. And uh, it, it, it describes how, like, different ethnicities did that through sports culture in different uh, times. Um, and I feel like this is basically a form of obtaining cultural citizenship, which I don't think that that book or paper described, which is that, like, when you've started piss off uh, started to piss off, uh, you know, like people by purely just existing and uh, doing your own thing and people want to attribute all kinds of malintentions towards you, then I think you've kind of arrived. As a, that's when you become visible from being invisible, I suppose. So uh, that's what I think is like happening to Asian men, especially in the wake of this shooting. And uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, I'm still awaiting a moment when Indian uh, or South Asian dudes have a similar sort of like, I mean, where's our mass shooter, I suppose. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just. Yeah, no, it makes sense, man. It's like, you know, in the nineties and stuff, it was all about, you know, people who, who Asian, Asian people, especially Asian guys though. No, Asian people would always complain about invisibility and, you know, not being, you know, not being, uh, represented in Hollywood or what or whatever, and now that there is a lot of visibility, it's like you thought it was going to be all, you know, unicorns and rainbows. You know, like yeah. <laughs> the visibility has it. There's an ups- There's a there's a flip side to it too. You know, it's not. They, they, it was never going to be like, oh yeah, you're visible and everyone loves you and you're awesome and no, and there's no problems at all. No, I mean, there's going to be the pluses and the minuses. You know. So well, real, that's how I quick, take it. Mm-hmm. Real quick, I did want to say uh, one thing, which was, or yeah, rather, yeah. I just wanted to walk people through this one because, yeah, um, I, I guess where the, the the discourse on this didn't start like this past week. This this has been going on for a little while. I think, where, I mean, where I saw it start at least was uh, I forget which publication it was. I'm pretty sure it was Slate that ran an article on MR agents. And yes. I, like I, I had seen the the discourse kind of bubble. Aaron Aaron Mack, his article, yeah, 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 yeah. He I actually the, he actually talked to me about that stuff before he mm-hmm. he wrote. He, it took him like a year and a half to write that article, but yeah, yep, slate. I mean, that was a lot of wasted effort then because I thought it was. Yes, crazy. it was. <laughs> it's <was> terrible. <laughs> yeah. Right, but um, there's uh, it, I saw the discourse bubbling for a little while before that, especially when there were there were just a lot of like blue check Asian people that were calling. Asians white adjacent, which is the weirdest shit I think I've ever heard of. Like, what do you mean white adjacent? If you're not included in whiteness, if you're if you're categorically racially excluded from whiteness, then there's no such thing as white adjacent. You're either white or you aren't. There's no like spectrum there. You know what I mean? And it's the it's the step one. It's step one of 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 uh, writing yourself a permission slip to just kind of like openly express your disdain for a particular group, and that includes yeah. black men or whatever. Yeah. But Dress it up in the language of social justice because I'm not just going to talk about you as if you're a white cishet man exactly. or whatever. Again, yeah. it's it's it's, uh, it's I, I've I've said this on the show before, but I'm not sure if I've talked to you about this one. I call it guilt by free association. So it's not mm-hmm. just guilt by association. Like you know X person or you're around X group, so therefore you're guilty of what they do. It's no no. If I can free associate in my head, and it makes sense that you have an association with. X, Y, or Z person or group, then you're just as guilty of them for what they do. So it's like, you don't actually have to have any like solid or material ties to that person or group. It's just, if I can imagine you being like them, then you're, you're basically them. 
Uh, but it's like it's it's so fascinating that this time the the mass shooting, especially after the mass shooting, you would imagine that like you know there would at least be some level of like wanting to get to the bottom of what the fuck was even going on. That there were like these really oh my God, old no. dudes who uh, who perpetuated this thing, and it's not like the usual standard. Like I mean, it's kind of funny that like Joe Biden responded to it by like wanting to ha- increase the age limit of when you can purchase guns or something so it's like he's trying to raise the age limit for 20 to 21 or something like that and Mm -hmm. the guys who did the shooting were basically 60 plus and Mm -hmm. it's kind of weird as like a as a concept so i I feel like aside from the las vegas shooter i don't remember anybody being like that old a person and i saw some like takes i don't know how true they are i haven't like really investigated uh, it as much uh that like this might have had something to do with the the same group uh, of dudes who, like the dude who killed uh, the Japanese, uh, what's his name, Shinzo Abe or something like that. Oh, uh, really? Something like that I saw. And I, that's why like, I'm not I'm not 100% sure that I've, I haven't investigated this to the extent that I should have before saying this, but I did see someone, you know, draw some comparisons. I can probably... The only, no, the only, the only comparison I saw there was that they had similar haircuts. <laughs> that's it? Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, it was a joke. I saw that as a joke tweet, but... Yeah. No, not the guy who stopped the shooting, but the guy who mm-hmm. perpetuated it. Oh, um, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is that, like, the... the and, and then immediately the takes came where, like, it, it they had to attribute the shooting to, to the 4chan forums or whatever, and then, like, it, it became, like, a narrative on how older Asians are now, like, turning into YouTube and, like, they're going down rabbit holes and, like, this is what happens when, like... Uh, well, Jeff, Jeff Yang said see- it was... Jeff Yang said the problem was uh, WeChat, right? So the first thing yeah. they do is, you know, oh it's the same. God, I mean, it's the same yeah. pattern, but they, they just yeah. start finding out, like, okay, well, where, where does this guy, you know, Go. where does he hang out? What, yeah. what can we censor? Uh, well, WeChat. I, I, did, I did see a tweet. I did see, uh, and the, when, I, when I noted it, because I thought it was, like, fucking bizarre, um, the person blocked me immediately. Uh, and that was a lady that was basically saying, like, yeah, uh, uh, it's much more deep and complex than that it was responding to somebody who had like tweeted about uh you know this this need to figure out what it is uh that is causing asian men apparently to like go on mass shooting sprees but uh this lady says it's deeper much more complex than that asian women use wechat and line too but they don't shoot people oh there is, <laughs> yeah i saw that there is something deep queen wrong. the queen yeah. yeah 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 there's something deeply wrong in asian male culture and i don't see enough mm. asian men all caps here interrogating it but yeah. I've already seen several Asian women on Twitter asking questions about it, which so so it's like what you ask questions and then suddenly you're in the clear. But let's let's. I mean, she's avoiding the obvious, I think, which is that it's it's this is a sign of see, this is a sign of assimilation. You see, Asian men are are assimilating into mainstream American culture to such a degree that we are now engaging in American activities such as. Mass shootings. Uh, th- th- like assimilation, you know, you're going to, that's my point is we, we talk about a lot of these things only in the positive, but we don't, you know, like this is a sure sign that Asians are becoming more American, is it not? That, I mean, but, uh, but at the same time, you kind of have to, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like hand it to the fact that one of the earliest mass shootings was also perpetuated by an Asian. So in, in a kind of way, like, you know, the assimilation didn't just begin. I'm sorry, I just thought that there was a joke there, but, like, it is pretty tragic. that the Virginia Oh, you're, talk, oh, you're talking about yeah. Sung Lee Cho and... Uh, the, the Virginia oh, yeah, Tech, yeah. He, was at, he was one of the uh, early ones, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, after Columbine. Was, there was another I was one. I OG. I don't know if there would be an, in, you know, a 
taking it too far. What I'm saying is, isn't it obvious? But what I'm saying is, isn't it the obvious thing here that Asian men are becoming like any other American man? And uh, I don't know if there's a really racial component to what kind of man goes and shoots up, uh, you know, shoots people up in a public place, but it seems to be a pretty inclusive group of people, all ages, all races, all creeds. The the commonality is that we're American men, you know. So yeah. I felt like her tweet missed the point, which is that we should probably interrogate American men. I'd be down for that. Right, we should well, probably. Here's here's my question. Here's my question though, and and, and um, I'm, I'm going to ask the question, but I think we we should reel back just a little bit to make sure that everybody in the room who might be up to date on what we're talking about is made up to date. But I I have to ask the question if there's something up with Asian male culture that creates a predisposition towards violence, then why aren't you seeing mass shootings in Asian countries? You, well, because they don't have guns, but you do see mass violence. Uh, you do see these you know, outbursts there, there's of crazy. Occasionally, like, there's occasionally like mass stabbings that you might hear in China every so often. They're, they're pretty frequent. Often. They're pretty frequent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there's there's also I've I've heard of like mass stabbings well not heard of like I've, I've mm-hmm. you know li- literally like seen the uh, the reporting of mass violence in Japan but they're also mm-hmm. not always they're also not always men either. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, I, I've actually I mean I, I don't know that I can uh, make any sort of uh, uh, like comparison and say well there's just as many Asian women that have committed acts of mass violence but I will say that I have seen at least with with a s- certain degree more reporting. More than I would I would I would say I've ever seen in uh, the U.S., Canada, or Western countries, that yeah, Asian women have gone on spates of um, mass violence um, or spates of violence against children. So I, I don't know that there's really any sort of breakdown that you can create for any of this that you can categorize it as a strictly but, male problem. But are you? I mean, how do you feel about you know this the idea that really most violence, when it comes down to it, is caused by the male of our species. Uh, if you look at serial killers, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like virtually always men. Well, at least that's I mean, not necessarily true. It depends on what yeah. kind of serial killer, because uh, serial killers that prey on, for example, elderly patients at hospitals, uh, yeah, are, are by and large women. Like uh, nurses, mm. uh, nurses who are serial killers are like uh, disproportionately women. So it's not sure. It's not a matter I'm, of, like, I think but, it's but just I'm saying, not a matter of the lack of equality. Of, it's, it's, it's what type of violence is being committed. But I'm I saying it's the I, lack of not lack of opportunity. I think like I think dudes have uh, opportunity. To... I, 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 this is one area where I'm I'm a bit more comfortable with the idea that there is an asymmetry here, and that well, a lot I, of I think there is I think there is an asymmetry. I just want to be clear yeah. that when we say things like you know all uh, mass violence is predominantly perpetuated by men, uh, I think it's a bit more complicated than that. It's the type of violence that tends to get sensationalized the most. But I, to say that. Um, the majority of mass violence is committed by men. Oh, I've got no problem with that. I think that's true also. I am, I am as a man, more scared of men than women. Yeah. Generally um, speaking. No, I agree with that. Yeah, that's, yeah. There's always, there's always like the, uh, the underlying threat of violence if a conversation or an argument goes sideways. That, that is absolutely true. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah. like, I'm, I just, so let's like actually go to the de- bottom of that, right? And I mean, uh, this is a consequence of what like what is this something about the male uh you know inherent bi- biology itself that is doing this which is not i don't i don't particularly think that that's necessarily true i don't think it has to do with the physicality of it alone i think it has more to do with uh, 
what is the hegemonic uh, white version of masculinity, which is um, a form of like, and again, like, you know, there's a reason why we laughed at the fact that like now uh, Asians are fully assimilated into American culture because um, this involves uh, a possession of firearms, uh, a certain kind of like attitude towards the firearms. It's not just like having the firearm for like your personal safety and stuff like that, but also actively flaunting it. And there's like a, a tendency to uh, kind of, uh, you know, like basically it's a, it's a winner take all economy and uh, all of those things come into the picture when you're like thinking about the kind of males uh, who live, especially in the United States um, and like the disproportionality of like uh, who gets to have how much money, like who who's like making it and all of that like comes into the picture. So the the kind of like ideal that uh, people are aspiring towards here is a form of aggressive masculinity, which is not exactly, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true of Asia, Asia, like, I don't know, teen, like, what do you think? Uh, I think it's more true here. I don't know. I Like, here's the thing, man, is like, I, I, I don't really know, like, I don't really know much about Asia because I don't, have, I don't I haven't really lived there. I visited. I'm, I'm I'm Asian myself. My family's Chinese. They come from Taiwan, so I have some links there. But here's the thing, man. As an American, I always think of it generally as like America kind of being the odd one out of the rest of the world. Like I, I don't, you know, it, it's it's just too. I don't think I, th- I find it more productive to wonder what it is we- what is weird about America, like versus the rest of the world virtually. Right. I mean, there are right. like, there are other places that are kind of similar to this, you know, Canada, Australia, whatever, but, but like, the extent uh, to which like guns are like, not just an artifact or like an, a part of life, but it's actually a projection of a certain form of strength. And I think like, it's, 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 it's more than just like a hobby. I, I, I'm like fully on board with the idea that like you, you don't touch the second amendment, et cetera. And I understand the idea of a well-regulated militia, et cetera. And as like, as somebody who, uh, you know, I wants to be a historical materialist, I have to like really care about the fact that like, you don't really, uh, you know, take people's guns away from them because that's the way in which you can actually effectively resist state power. If it ever comes down to that, I mean, like, uh, who knows if there, if anybody even stands a chance, but at least you need to have a fighting chance and therefore, yeah, sure. But the extent to which people take it, I don't think they just take it to the extent that like, this is it. This is like a well-regulated militia. We're all like, you know, trained and uh, if push comes to shove, we are ready. Uh, but it's more like in your face than that. And I don't, I, I, and to me as, as an all outsider, it's always like struck me as odd. And also it's a particularly, I don't necessarily think it's like a problem where I live. I live in New Jersey. Uh, you live in New York City. I don't know if that's a problem in New York City either. Um, but elsewhere in the United States, there seems to be like a lot more look, of an in-your-face uh, culture when it comes to guns. Look, I think I think when it comes to this guy, the guy Tran, the guy who who shot up the uh, Monterey Park um, over in it's like a sort of northeastern or eastern suburb of Los Angeles, which is like sixty-five plus percent Asian, and a lot of immigrants, uh, a lot of first-generation immigrants, end up in that area. And it's very American. Here's the thing about Monterey Park is it's typically suburban Southern California, right? It's, it's, it's not Asia. It's very American, but it's very Asian in terms of the racial makeup. But it has the landscape of like Southern California to a T. And I believe Tran was a, was an immigrant from China. Uh, but he came over a little later in his life. I'm not sure what age, 
But like he didn't grow up here, you know, and he spent most of his adult life, I believe, in China. And I've spoken to, you know, it was funny. Last time I was in China, I spoke to people who left China and then came back. So they went to, I knew someone who went to like Canada, someone who went to Australia. We were hanging out in China and they were telling me about it and they were like, I couldn't adjust. It was fucking weird. There was nobody around. Chinese people are very, you know, at least the people I was hanging out with in Southern China, they're big city people. You know, they're, they're used to, uh, just loads and loads of people activity all the time. And they, they were like, I went to Australia and it was like, it was like a, it was like a, a dead zone, you know, Canada dead zone. And I think, uh, that explains, well, that helped. I mean, I don't know about his particular case, but I do think that one of the problems that, uh, you see in America is just, we just have a very lonely, like sort of depressing, depersonalized landscape. And I think when, you know, for, for those of us who have had the privilege of traveling abroad, you know, it suddenly becomes clear that no matter where you go, especially in quote, the old world, right. Um, be it Europe or Asia or Africa or the Middle East, but the old world, uh, that the landscape is significantly different. The environments are, are different and they're less, uh, isolating and, um, I know that a lot of people who don't grow up here and come here have a hard time adjusting because it is so uh, spaced out. Yeah, spaced out, and then the and not just like physically, but like the the mentality of the people right. um, goes along that line too. So it's not it's the social environment is just as desolate as the physical environment. And Monterey Park in that area of California is no different, you know. Yeah, so. and like uh, to each his own is like a very integral part of I feel like the inherent nature of American masculinity itself because like you are kind of like fending for yourself and there isn't a sense of like community that helps each other out, etc. Um, but also like uh, the, the concept of a mass shooting itself has always been like striking to me. Like you know, like I, I can't even understand, pretend to understand the the rationality. I mean, like to even say that there is a rationality. Is you can't at all. You, there's, yeah. there's no part of you that can, that can, that can indulge in the fantasy of having total power and domination over a group of people that you have total and utter disdain for. I watched that movie with, uh, what I think falling down, first, not falling no. down. Ezra no. Miller, like the, we need oh. to talk about Kevin. Oh, we need uh, where, okay, yeah. yeah, where he actually does the, he's like this really quiet, like a uh, kid who kills insects and stuff like that. And like, he doesn't talk to anybody. And, uh, oh, and, and Ezra Miller is now a day. So I guess like uh, retroact- retroactively, uh, I should say they. Uh, Ezra Miller uh, goes into this gymnasium and like kills people with a bow and an arrow. Uh, pretty great movie, actually. Like Lynn Ramsey's uh, directed movie. And in, in that, yeah. like, it was the first time that uh, I I saw, like, you know, that being kind of at least, like, explained a little bit. Uh, there was also, interestingly, ah, there was actually, interestingly, another movie at the same time, like, or slightly close to that, called Beautiful Boy, which I think is about an Asian uh, mass shooter and, like, the parents who deal with it and stuff like that. And I actually don't remember that movie as vividly as we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, but I think, like, essentially the... Yeah, I mean, to answer your question in a short uh, way, I I don't think I have had that fantasy. I might have had a fantasy like V for Vendetta or something like that, you know, like 
be more like grand and like in in the scheme of like you know somebody had a tweet which was kind of kind of cool uh, that like you know all of these mass shooters who go in and take out these uh, innocent unassuming people like why don't you go and like you know target somebody who whatever like i mean i can't possibly say that uh, because they thought that they couldn't say that because the tweet tweet, tweet would get taken down but something along the lines of like why don't you you know go find a billionaire or something uh, but uh, essentially yeah i mean i i can't i can't imagine uh, doing that uh, like i mean sometimes when you see people um, in the grocery store don't you feel like a certain level of like just pure empathy just be- or sympathy just by seeing somebody's face you know you kind of know what they're going through I think but they don't but they're the not that's not but that's not really what they're doing i mean they're they seem to be targeting specific communities and i think like one of the most honest mass shooting movies ever made is probably carrie you know mm-hmm. where um you show you know i think this 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 notion like is it a, i don't know if it's a christian principle or whatever this concept of love your enemy which is not to love your enemy but to understand what motivates them you know i think that's really that's really missing in a lot of what we're talking about with this mass violence like in uvalde you know probably the most the thing that you can't do ever is to try and empathize with the killer because you're supposed to sit back and say what an what an unspeakable horror i don't understand i'm at a total loss well that might be the reason why we keep why we keep perpetuating it is because we refuse to think what, okay, well, really what was going on? What, what were they thinking? And, you know, there were some well, details I mean, we, about the, we, we do it to the extent that we come to the easy answers and usually it revolves around it's, it's a narrative that is, I want to say since, um, the, uh, the Parkland massacre, I, I think that's kind of where this started. Uh, and I think also, I think also the, um, I think also Nicholas Cruz uh, really pushed this one along as well. But I think they started with the Parkland Massacre, which is to say... Was that the same? Was it Nicholas Cruz, the Parkland shooter? No. Uh, no, 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 no. No? Oh. Um, that was, uh, I forget, the kid with the bowl cut, but I forget his name. But uh, Parkland is Florida? No, that's the different Yeah, Parkland, Parkland is Florida, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Florida also had the Pulse Nightclub. Things. Right, Pulse nightclub didn't have this the same element to it because it was a it was a gay nightclub shooting and it was a uh, I think I'm pretty sure the uh, the perpetrator was also closeted, but was Nicholas Cruz by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. No, I was thinking of I was thinking of a different one. Uh, that was the one that was um, anyway. Uh, it'll come back to me. There are so many fucking mass shootings in the states. It's hard. To yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I know, but uh, it starts with. Or there was a narrative that started uh, that it's always a guy who is lonely and they will immediately attribute it to incels, um, regardless of whether or not this description fits. Uh, that they're lonely, they're incels, and they're misogynists. They hate women. That's why they take their violence out on everybody. Um, I think Elliot Roger really pushed that one along as well. Like that kind of solidified it because Elliot Roger was like undisputably an incel. But th- there's, there's this idea that they're lonely, oftentimes they're gamers, they hang out on 4chan. And they hate women, and this is why. And we should never investigate any further. That's simply what it is. And like, there's just no way that you can look at the other uh, two shootings that happened in California recently and uh, like pin them into that same mold. It doesn't really correct. Matter. You couldn't say that about uh, the 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 Las Vegas shooter either, because he he like had some plans and stuff like that, and he went and did it. Apparently, uh, like there's there's almost no way that you can, you can convince me that that one wasn't an op. Like that that had. <laughs> That had like the reek of a three-letter agency all over it, but we won't get into that. <laughs> um, Dean, you were gonna say sorry. 
Yeah. Uh, well, here, here, okay. Real quick, though, I think we should really uh, uh, recap those two shootings in California. If you don't mind taking us through that team, because I think it's really important both to set the context and then uh, contextualize the discussion that came out of it. I don't know. I actually don't know much of the facts. I know that um, the shooter was in his. There was two. There was uh, one in Monterey Park, like I said, which is a very. It's like an Asian suburban enclave in Southern California. Yeah. Um, and uh, the the shooter was a recent. Sandy, sorry, Sandy Hook. El Prieto just uh, brought this one up for me. I I got Sandy, oh, Hook, Sandy and Hook Parkland mixed up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sandy Hook. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about. I pretty much know about what probably anyone who's seen it in the news knows, which is that the guy's in his sixties or whatever, single bachelor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had an ex-wife, but from a long time ago, uh, and um, he showed up to this Chinese. It was the Lunar New Year, right? Chinese New Year, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and. It, there, there was a celebration at a dance hall that he used to go to like years ago and was, uh, you know, pe- ballroom dancing is big among older Chinese as a yeah, kind of yeah, exercise. Yeah, social. Yeah, there was the, uh, the, the Lai Lai Ballroom Studio. Yeah. So that's a big, like, you know, older Asian thing, like, uh, older Chinese, uh, uh, you know, activity. And so they had a big, they had, a, they were having their Chinese New Year party there. And then he showed up with, uh, I think a, a Mac 10 with a suppressor. Uh, and shot. A, I think he shot oh, he a whole had a suppressor sh- too. Holy shit! I, it's, it seemed like it. Yeah, it was a Mac Ten with like this long, weird suppressor thing on yeah. it. Because influence is not influence is not legal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, these these all look like really like beat up guns. I mean, they all look like yeah. black market guns to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, the, he had a handgun too that he shot himself with later, uh, which is a Norinco, which is a Chinese made gun. So I don't know yeah, where he. Yeah. I don't know if those circulate widely in the U.S. But, uh. Rinkos do circulate pretty widely. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. They're relatively cheap and they're, they're easy to access. Jeez. Okay. So, Chinese fentanyl and Chinese handguns. No wonder they're so mad at us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and then I think he tried to go to another ballroom somewhere else, but then this guy, Brandon Say, who I don't know if he was working. He was kind of working the door that night. I don't think he was working security. I don't know if a Chinese ballroom New Year's party really has the concept of security, but he was he was working the door. I don't know, maybe collecting coats and fares. Like, I've seen often people who will like you know check your ticket to make sure that like you, you know you're clear to be there. Like you have your ticket that yeah. you purchased, or uh, yeah, he was checking the list. Yeah, occasionally somebody will like pat you down, but I can't think of the last time I've been to a Chinese ballroom where somebody would pat you down. But I've, I've seen. <laughs> But I've seen, I mean, because I, I have been to these things, but. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You choose these people who are like either like uh, doing, you know, serving beverages or just like checking to make sure that you have your, your ticket purchased. Yeah. And so this guy, Brandon Tay, uh, and I even know, I know even less about the one that happened in uh, Half Moon Bay. Uh, so I, I'm not even going to comment on that one. I don't, I don't even, I don't know what happened there. But, yeah. but, but Brandon Tay, who's, I guess, is he like 26 or something? He's like a pretty young dude. Hmm. And. There's like, you know, he intercepted the guy as he was trying to break into the ballroom with his Mac 10 and like wrestled him away, like wrestled the gun away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my friend Tim Shorrock, I'm sure you know Tim from, uh, from Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a journalist at The Nation. Um, he said that this, this 26 year old kid had more courage than the 400 plus cops in Uvalde, Texas. And he was right. 
And, and it just really struck me. I was like, wow, I mean, this guy doesn't look like a hero. You know, like he doesn't, he's, think about it. He's like this 26 year old Chinese American dude with like a, you know, with frankly, like a schlubby appearance. I'm not insulting him. I, I actually say that because I, I was like, man, I kind of look like him, you know, like his, his overall demeanor and appearance and that stubby facial hair or whatever, you know, three years of COVID and work, work from home and all this stuff. I've, I've, I kind of look like that, you know, this sort of schlubby guy. And he, he just disarms this guy. It's <laughs> unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't actually, know. I don't know. Well, the, uh, the audio you heard before was actually me, uh, pulling up the, uh, uh, the NBC News uh, clip about that. If you don't yeah. mind, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna run that real quick. Yeah. Good evening, everyone from Monterey Park, the latest American city shattered by mass murder. It happened just beyond the doors of this popular dance hall, just miles from downtown LA. Monterey Park was considered the first suburban Chinatown and is home to a predominantly Asian-American community, one now deeply shaken by a shooting rampage here during a Lunar New Year celebration. Tonight, one more person has died from gunshot wounds. That brings the death toll to 11. Nine others were wounded, police say, by a 72-year-old gunman who later took his own life. But not before he was forced out of a second dance hall by a young man who courageously disarmed him, all of it caught on surveillance video. I spoke to that man, Brandon, who is being called a hero tonight about how his quick actions likely saved many more lives. This is we're learning more about the victims and as we speak to the community about their stories of survival. Tonight, the search for answers. Another American community reeling after a night of celebration was shattered by a hail of bullets. Page. Today I spoke with Brandon Say, seen on this surveillance video, bravely taking on the gunman, disarming him before he could unleash more terror. How did you decide what to do? Well, there was a moment I actually froze up because I was, I had the belief that I was going to die. Like so real quick, like if you, if you saw this guy, and I'll, I'll drop the link uh, for the interview in the chat in a second, but he, he's, he's just a regular looking dude. As, as Teen said, like, I, mean, I don't know if I would call him schlubby per se, but he's not like, you know, some like square jawed action hero. He's just, he looks like a regular dude that would have been working, you know, as staff at a ballroom. On the lunar new year, Andrew Tate would target this guy. You know, he would Absolutely. be like, "This guy's a fucking beta cuck." You know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think he's a normal-looking guy. That's my point. Yeah. But yeah. he would, in our in our hyper-masculine culture, you know, he is not. He would be targeted as a as a beta. Yeah. At that very moment, but something something amazing happened in America. Actually, he he started to uh, try to prep his weapons so he could shoot everybody. But then it came, it dawned on me that this was the moment to disarm him. I could do something here that could protect everybody. In one shove, I kind of just pushed him away and then quickly aimed the gun at him and shouted, go away, I'm shoot. Get out here, go. Are, and you, are you pointing the gun at him as you're saying? Yes, I was. Police are hailing Brandon as a hero. Did he say anything during this encounter? No, his... His, his facial expressions and eyes did most of the talking. What did those eyes tell you? They told me he wanted to do harm, like he was a troubled individual trying to do harm to others, make people feel the pain he was feeling. The gunman. Yeah, so, like, 
in, later in the episode or later in the uh, the interview, because um, it's like a, a, a fifty minute interview that was aired um, on Cut, and you can find it on YouTube. Oh wow! And he, Jeez. he was asked. Yeah, yeah. They they went through the, like the the whole back and forth with him, and and uh, uh, the interviewer asked him, "Would you have? Would you have shot him? Were you prepared to shoot him?" And he said, "No, I wasn't." Well, what if he had tried to disarm the gun or disarm you and take the gun back? He's like, "Well, yes, I would have had to, but that's not something that I wanted to do." So you can get like, he he absolutely was not prepared to be in that situation, and it was just he experienced the fight or flight reflex. Yes, and it, it pushed him towards. I got to go disarm this guy. Yes, you know the, you can tell a... by the way. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was, I was gonna say you could tell by the way he talks that he he's not really saying like I did this and then I saw this and then I did that. He was more like this is what happened. Like it's almost like like his reflexes took over. Like he just is describing what he did as if he didn't. He it wasn't almost he himself who did it. And that made it sound like he really had quite a moment there where he kind of found his stone. Like he found his stones. You know what I mean? Like he, I don't think he knew that he was that kind of guy yeah. until it happened. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, no, he sounded just as surprised. And I'll, yes, uh, exactly. I'll, yes, 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 exactly. I'll find, I'll find yes. the interview. But yeah, in, in the course of that longer interview, he sounded just as surprised as anybody else that he was capable of doing that. It's just, yes, that, that's, that was just his immediate reflex. And I have a lot of respect it, for that. But at the same time, I, I have a little bit of trouble with people. I mean, of course, it's heroic, but I have a little bit of trouble with people who almost expect that kind of outcome. I think that's sort of a like a Hollywood movie, uh, where Hollywood has like primed people to expect that kind of action and that kind of outcome. And I think that if you've never had a gun in your face before, you have no fucking idea what you would do when you're confronted with that. Yes. It's like line from the from the Departed. Uh, wasn't there a mass shooting? Uh, just like. A month or two ago, in which uh, there was a, a a trans person who broke somebody's face with their oh, feet it wasn't or something. A, a, oh wait, um, not that I saw. I I, I did see uh, uh, an incident that happened, and this like the footage is still circulating on on Twitter, so I have no idea when it exactly it happened. But there was a, a, like a very disturbed uh, trans woman that um, like took an axe to a guy's skull in a convenience store. Um, but that's the only one that I can think of off the top of my head. There's a, there's a great movie. Well, it's a good movie called Force Majeure. Mm -hmm. And the premise is it's a family that goes on vacation to like France to go skiing. And they're sitting on the, you know, the, the deck of this, uh, of this ski chalet. And there's a huge, all of a sudden there's a huge avalanche and it's coming right for the chalet and people are, Sitting there eating oh, lunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. They Remember don't know that. what to do. And yeah. the guy totally fucking loses his shit. And he just runs away. Leaves his family, his, yeah. Leaves his, his family there. Yeah. And, of course, the avalanche kind of peters out and it never actually reaches the, <laughs> the chalet. <laughs> and it's about the, 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 the sort of aftermath of, like, them having had that fight-or-flight moment and realizing that, this, that her husband and the yeah. father of the children was actually... A, a, yeah, he was a flight guy. He was like, "Peace, I'm out. <laughs> we'll start another family." Yeah, yeah. It was cool, but I, yeah. I, 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 I got to take care of my own, you know. And, and was I like just the, thought uh, that 
It was like the antipode to the Twitter question. Um, if you were, if you're, if you, your house caught on fire, would you save your child or save your husband? And a yes. bunch of women were saying they would save their husband. People were like, what the fuck is wrong? What? Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, it was, it was the opposite scenario. He just went and saved himself. But yes. I'll, I'll yeah. say that like, okay, I, I'm not going to toot my own horn here, but I do know that uh, my instinct is more on the protective side. And here's how I found this out. I was one day like, um, I was playing with one of my daughters and I tripped over the corner of my bed and she was in my arms because we were sort of like wrestling. Like I, I picked her up and I was like spinning her around and stuff. I tripped on the corner of my bed. I was like, oh shit. And I don't even remember thinking this. I just remember what, like coming to on the ground. Like, not like I lost consciousness. It's more like I had no idea what happened between me tripping and me being on the ground. But I had somehow twisted my body in midair to take the brunt of the fall on my back and I was like cradling her in my arms. I was like, oh, that's the kind of guy I am. That's cool. Nice, as opposed to using her to break your fall. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the two possible outcomes. And so those are like a get-to-know-yourself moment, you know? And and the outcome could be either really good or terrible. (laughs) It was like, yeah, exactly. It was like a trust fall. I just use her as a cushion, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like how many men... How many men are in prison for murdering their child because they're too ashamed to admit that that's what happened? You know, you're like, I would rather be known for as the child killer than the guy who used yeah. his child to break his break fall. His fall. <laughs> that's awful. Too. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, speaking of like protective dads, uh, El Prieto has like the answer to what I was talking about. It's it's a mass shooting in Colorado, but it wasn't a a, a trans person, but like a dad that was supporting the community who actually, uh, again, unarmed, but uh, stopped the. Uh, he was a veteran and uh, stopped the. The, the match shooter. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the shooting at the yeah. Colorado nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. he had like... Oh, he'd, yeah, like, grab, that just yeah, happened. Grabbed the, yeah, grabbed the gun. Yeah. It just faded out of our consciousness already. Yeah, the guy at the... Uh, he was at the nightclub with his, do- his daughter. His daughter was trans. And when the shooting happened, like when the gunman burst into the club, and this person was like just way unhinged. Um, that was the one where people were trying to say, oh, the, the shooter, who was our four-trainer, by the way, they're like, oh, the shooter identifies as non-binary. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. That person's trolling. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but the, the father, who was a veteran, um, grabbed the, uh, the shooter's um, firearm and was able to tackle them to the ground. And, like, all of the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the women, the, the drag queens, everybody was – everyone basically stomped a fucking mud hole in this guy's face. Like, in his mugshot, you can see, like, heel marks. Like, they had beat the shit out of this dude. Um, and, and that's – I think that's uh, people have sort of attributed that to well, that's his training as a veteran. But it's like, well, yeah, but he's like he was there as a father with his daughter, mm. in, in support of her. Yes, so like, I don't think that was, was a coincidence. It, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, was it the was it his training as a veteran, or was it also his protective instincts as a father? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, and and I think like uh, essentially. Uh, there's a moment in which, you know, we celebrate these actions as like heroic and then essentially there's no, I think like, you know, once the killer identified uh, as like non-binary, the conversation became entirely about that, which I presume was the entire point of that that, uh, identification itself. Uh, But like right now, at least like now we have the opportunity to, uh, I mean, especially because like the playing field is sort of like even because this isn't like a hate crime or anything like that. Um, and the the person who disarmed the mass shooter is also uh, Asian. Uh, therefore, we actually have the opportunity to have a conversation both about the the killer's motivations and like the instincts of the person who stopped it, which is like I feel like a rarity. Uh, 
because usually you're kind of like you know it's it's uh, the match shooter is either a kind of person who's written a pages pages long manifesto detailing how much they hate like ex community uh, or the person who disarmed the, this person also had a gun or something like that and then become, it becomes a conversation about good guy with a gun um mm-hmm. can't to stop a bad guy with a gun but now like i guess like it becomes a completely purely a conversation about you know uh masculinity i suppose because uh brandon says actions can be considered uh not just masculine but but also heroic but also like in a, in a kind of way you can specifically speak about like we we are like talking about his masculinity as an unconventional uh masculinity for a reason because you know we are like particularly emphasizing and highlighting a certain kind of heightened uh, aggressive form of masculinity over like someone who's subdued and just chill um not like you know a guy who looks like he benches 250 pounds uh and on the other hand the guy who did the mass shooting is also an unconventionally masculine uh character because he's not like a you know an incel gamer uh but a 60 year old man uh whose motives are like not exactly clear uh, actually, i did like this thing here's the thing yeah. this used to be i would say more common than not like i think like the first mass shooting that i can remember at least in my lifetime was a retired postal worker that like went up into a bell tower and just started picking people off with a carbine hmm. that like anytime that uh like a, a a mass shooting had taken place it was older uh like I don't know if they would say like lonely but oftentimes they were described as being like mentally off like those kinds of people were there were the face of mass shooting. It wasn't until the Columbine shooting that you began uh seeing people talk about like potential mass shooters as being disaffected, lonely, social outcast teenagers. Prior to that and I'm not sure how old everybody in the audience is here. Um but prior to that like I don't remember any sort of conversation about teenagers being the face of mass shootings. The only time that that came up in the public discourse was in that movie or after the release of the movie Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio and there's a scene mm-hmm. where he like bursts into and this is a dream that he had but there's a scene where he bursts into his classroom with an automatic rifle and starts shooting people but yeah prior to that like I don't I can't think of any major examples of that happening Yeah yeah there was a do you remember there was like this uh not many people remember this but there was like these two dude this is interesting because it was two dudes and they showed up in LA fucking heat style robbed the bank and went full fucking heat against the LA cops oh, you remember this no i don't uh and they were like armored and shit and oh. it was like people kept cuz this came out after heat and I mean, it was like one lo- of the lo- most intense loki oh, it, loki that sounds kind of hard but <laughs> no that's what i'm saying like yeah. you know you wonder sometimes when i think about that one i'm like how come they never Well or or how come they never pull a terminator where they go into you know a fucking like precinct and just Yeah. Why why don't they ever do that? Like why don't they ever go hard like a 80s or 90s action movie, you know, where they always end up shooting fucking uh you know they 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 really find very vulnerable sort of defenseless people. They never like, yo, I'm going to f- battle well, it out the, with the cops. The, the Buffalo shooter, like that was in his manifesto when he said that, you know, he's going to the the top supermarket in Buffalo. The the reason that he traveled, I think it was like 6 or 8 hours he went out of his way and into upstate New York, which wasn't the state that he lived in, but he explains exactly why that is because he wanted to find a population of of black people and they do tend to target 
marginalized communities. So, for example, like the uh, the Colorado uh, shooting, the Pulse nightclub shooting, etc. Yeah. And when this happens in schools, they want to find victims that typically can't fight back or are not likely to be able to fight back. Uh, he targeted New York State because of New York's gun laws. Um, that he was going to be able to find a whole lot of black people in a concentrated space. And also the fact that, like, if anybody's at a supermarket, they are not likely, like, they're just going about their business. They're going to be caught unaware. So he completely laid it out. And I think that, like, that's a pretty succinct explanation of why they, they do these kinds of targeted shootings, because they are trying to fight, they're trying to find people that are not likely to be able to shoot back. Yeah, I mean, they they, they make those two guys, those bank robbers, look like, fucking badasses in comparison because they were like, you know, we're going to go hold up a bank and then go fight cops. (laughs) (laughs) And then they went, they literally went down. Like they both got killed in the streets of LA, uh, you know, fighting cops. But that, that was like the lone, that was like the only incident I can remember ever of something like that happening. Christopher Dorner, peace be upon him. Um, Yeah. That's, one of the only other few examples that I can think of, but and for the most part, like people, I don't, I don't know that people have a like a death urge against police. I think people sort of see police, and also, you know, where, where it comes to, uh, for example, like uh, government agencies or like any any other place where power is concentrated, either the power of violence or the power of like bureaucracy. I think, well, there's one example which I'm going to come back to in a second. But I, I think people kind of see that as simply existing, but not part of the social milieu. It's just, it's there, but it's not tangible. So when they see other people, th- like people end up being the victims because they see other people as the problem. But the, yeah, well, the, the, power, the power structures that organize our lives in such a way that they end up, if you want to say that they fall through the cracks or cause their disaffection and alienation or whatever, they see that as like not the issue the issue is how are the people treat them the one example i was going to say that you know you could you could say that this is somebody actually going towards uh, the power structure was uh this was just a, uh, probably close to 10 years ago now uh i think it was yeah it was uh, i'm pretty sure it was 2014 um where a uh, a shooter had broken into the parliament building he actually ended up killing um one of the uh uh, one of the the military guards outside of the uh, the parliament building in Ottawa, um, and mm. he broke into Parliament. The, the literal Prime Minister of Canada, he, like hid in a broom closet with a broken broom, prepared to use it if he got found, uh, and he was killed by the Sergeant at Arms um, in Parliament, who who is, who is actually armed. So th- that's probably the one example that I can think of, and the other obvious one is you know the assassination of Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. But you're right, you don't really see people targeting. <laughs> Q, 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 you know why those guys, you know, those two guys, uh, the, 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 uh, the LA, uh, robbers, I think the reason we never saw that again was because the, we, 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 they profiled the two of them and we're like, let's find all of these guys and fucking hire them. And they were like, wow, what? They were, let's fucking hire them. Let's, let's, let's fucking, Eric Prince was like, yeah. okay, yeah. let's find every one of these motherfuckers in America yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. put them in a fucking uniform. And probably all of those guys are probably in Ukraine right now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, send them off to like, Fallujah and now they're in Ukraine. You're right. True action junkies. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they were like, no, no, we, we can't put those guys in prison. We need those motherfuckers. Yeah, there was a couple of those chuds uh, working for a security company that went, I think it was like two years ago. 
<laughs> Venezuela to try and foment a coup. Uh, and they ended up getting like hemmed up by a couple of. Yes, players. I remember those guys. Yeah, yeah. Hog tied on the ground. One of them actually pissed himself waiting for the police to come and pick them up. But yeah, I, <laughs> I think you're right. I think that might be a good explanation. Yeah. I mean, what, it's like a last gasp effort for them to, uh, you know, have like some kind of uh, gratification because they feel like their life's like not going according to plan or whatever. And then yeah. there's just this one showdown. And then uh, it's got to be fulfilling because if, if it's if you're going up against a cop, then it's likely, as you pointed out, that like it's going to go down too quickly. Uh, so you kind of want like a certain level of uh, count or body count or whatever. And then uh, that's kind of. I wonder, like, if if they actually have that as a as a target, like, if every mass shooter who plans to they do generally it is, do. Like, like, if you read uh, yeah. Anders, if you read Anders Breivik's manifesto, and I know a lot of people say like you shouldn't read the manifestos of mass shooters. I actually think you should because, again, like as Teen said before, you you want like this happens so frequently that you want to understand what it is that is driving them, and, and not just what they're saying at face value, but what is the subtext to what they're saying. Like, there, I don't know that there's any other element of criminology where people are completely discouraged from trying to understand the motives of somebody who commits a violent crime, right? Like, it, like the, we have an entire academic field dedicated to trying to figure out what these motives are, what, what are the psychological breaks that they experience that moves them in this direction. But when it comes to mass shooters, we're just told, yeah, shut up and don't think about it. The experts will take care of this one. Because if you read their manifestos or you read their writing or you listen to what they're saying, then you too may be poisoned by their words. And it's like, ah, that's just not how human psychology works. I, I can watch any number of violent movies. I can read uh, any number of, I can listen to any number of true crime podcasts, read any number of books about serial killers. And I'm, I'm not going to be a serial killer. Like, it doesn't work that way. You know, so it, it's weird how people will say like, you know, like uh, movies and, and, and TV shows and video games are not to blame for violence. It's actually deeper than that. But when it comes to reading material that's made by mass shooters, all of a sudden that logic flips on the sentence like, no, 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 this will poison your mind and push you in that direction. So you should never read it. And I think what it comes down to is that people don't really want to understand the causes because it's very easy to uh, seem virtuous by denouncing them. On, in the harshest possible terms and never trying to understand what causes this. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that brings me back a little bit to the, to the Uvalde because there was uh, they interviewed some of the, this girl, I think who went to school and knew the kid. And she and, and they, she said there was an, she remember an exchange that he had with, a, with a bigger kid uh, at the basketball courts where they got into a fight and he got his ass beat up. The, the killer did. Because he said that all the all you guys want to do is join join the military, uh, so you can go overseas to kill people. That's what the killer said. And in fact, that school, being sort of like a border town, it, you know, on the Mexican border, uh, it's you know apparently it's like a, a recruiting hotspot for the U.S. military. So just from that alone, you know, you could start to maybe piece together like this kid might have been like a little bit of like a peace nick kind of kid and he he wasn't really fitting into the culture which is a very apparently um you know a pretty like militaristic kind of place because everyone did want to join the military that was the sort of goal they never talked about that of course because you're not allowed to you know because i think a lot of people if they heard about that you know there might be a spark of sympathy yeah thanks. but you know you yeah. can't talk about that but yeah he was he was bullied i think a lot at least from that what she was describing, look, I'm not, obviously I'm not trying to justify what he did, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, if people were really serious about getting to the bottom of why people do that, 
Well, that's what one of his own classmates was saying, was that I saw, I saw him getting bullied uh, viciously, and it was because they had a fight because he accused the other kid of just wanting to go join the military so he could kill people. You know? I, and that clarified the event more. It, it made more sense to me. And like you said, that it's scary. It's scary to have something like that make sense in any way. So we're supposed to keep it a mystery. We're supposed to keep it like, my God, what sort of un, you know, unspeakable, incomprehensible evil has visited our country? Well, I'm like, okay, I think we're just closing our uh, that's sort just of a blind of, eye yeah, to it. Yeah, that's what kind yeah. of country that you are. Like, it, it's yeah. not... With the frequency that mass shootings happen in the U.S., you, you can't say that this is, you know, unspeakable. It is unthinkable. It's, no, this is just part of your social fabric now, whether you want mm-hmm. to admit that or not. And th- to me, the question is, okay, so what is causing this? Because if you don't want to get to what's causing it and you want to, to deliver pat answers, then you can never solve the problem. You, without analysis, you can never come to a solution. But the, the part that I guess like has been perplexing me for the last few days is now people are trying to tie Asian culture somehow into what it is that creates Asian mass shooters. And I'm thinking like, well, there's, there's almost nothing more American right now than, I mean, than mass shooting, whether it's happening on your soil or overseas, you know, whether it's, it's uh, somebody who um, purchased a Saturday night special or uh, was able to uh, purchase the gun legally, uh, got handed a, a gun by a friend um, or somebody who puts on a uniform and you know goes to Afghanistan or Fallujah or wherever, like shooting people indiscriminately is woven into the fabric of American society. So it's strange to me how somehow Asian culture is to blame when it's Asian men who commit mass shootings. You know, it's so funny that like uh, the the way Asian culture is blamed is actually, I mean, it's it dates all the way back to the Virginia Tech sh- shooting, right? Because, yes. Uh, the guy who was he fits the mold. Be, yeah, and and he was supposed to be. Uh, his an name, what was his name? Bullied. Was it uh, Cheng Cheng Sui Ho? Sung Sung Hui Cho, I believe. Cho, Cho, Cho is what yeah. I remember. Yeah. Uh, so like uh, he's supposed to have been incessantly bullied, and like uh, he was essentially retaliating. He was alone, and like he basically fits that description. Um, and essentially, this goes back. And I mean, I, I wonder if I'll be making too far a reach and like saying this actually uh, is a retaliation against uh, the model minority uh, mythos itself, because uh, in a sort of way, you're um, as an Asian, uh, you're supposed to be X, Y, Z. You're supposed to be like prim and proper. You're like, you know, you're polite. You don't speak unless you're spoken to. Um, and like you have this. Uh, attitude of like, you know, just minding your business, not really caring so much about socializing. And also like a lot of universities, uh, you know, they, from the admissions process, you nakedly see that like they see Asians as like not necessarily even needing to be social, that they're like but by choice or like by nature introverted, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, you kind of like have this typecast of the Asian uh, dude in this sort of way. And um, it's it's essentially a, a, a full-fledged uh, retaliation against it. I mean, there are more constructive ways in which, like, Asians has obviously retaliate against this uh, mythos of, like, having to be the guy who shuts the fuck up and just does what he's told or, like, you know, does what is, uh, keeps his head down and, like, does what is required to be assimilated into American society. But there are also people who break that mold, like, by doing things which are unconventional to this uh, modern minority mythos. And then there's obviously going to be one or two cases where somebody breaks out of this mold in a very forcibly uh, fucked up fashion. Uh, and I don't think this has necessarily to do with Asian as Asian-ness, quote unquote, other, 
more than like the fact that like this is an an imposed set of expectations on this individual that you know you you can't help but be trapped by and on top of which you are bullied for because you're you're kind of just like fulfilling what is uh, an imposed expectation on you Song Hui Cho is is a particularly interesting example because he left so many tracks. Have you ever heard of uh, Richard McBeef? He wrote an entire play um, called Richard McBeef uh, about his about having an imag- It was a, an imaginary white stepfather, hmm. and he he um, ends up, I believe, killing uh, Richard McBeef, and he had submitted that in uh, one of his English classes at Virginia Tech that it was so violent that the 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 uh, professor of that or the, te- the instructor uh f- was like truly disturbed by it. I think she she didn't want him in the class anymore. He also made a bunch of videos where he laid out his manifesto for like why he wanted to yeah, he was going to kill yeah, everyone. Yeah, talked about like so, it was it was it was a little bit weird and rambling, but I do remember him talking a lot about like I mean, right now we probably would call it bourgeois culture, but he would just talk about like, you know, like rich kids at the school and, you know, how like they like drive expensive cars and, and buy expensive clothing and so forth. And what, so it seemed like what, what's yeah. what what's it? And Wesley, Yang, you know, Wes Yang, you know that name, the, the writer, yeah. he, yeah, he, he wrote an excellent he wrote an excellent article or a long, very long form article called The Face of Song Hui Cho. Yeah. I think it's an M plus one. You can I, I just bought like the Kindle download of it because um, I, th- I think it's a great read. It's one of the best pieces of writing about Asian male or Asian American masculinity. And I do think the, the part about Asian being Asian is relevant, at least for Song Hui Cho. Like I said, I, you know, with, with the guy, the killer in Monterey Park, whose name I don't know right now, uh, Song Hui Cho was an immigrant. Uh, he can't, he, yeah, he, he, was, he was born in Korea. He was born yeah. and raised in Korea and came, his mother uh, decided to come to, I think she was divorced uh, either she was divorced or she came over with his father and then they divorced here in America and he hated it here and he kept saying why Why did you come here? I want to go back to Korea this place sucks and he started uh, uh, associating this sort of like this bougie materialistic culture uh, as sort of like you know as sort of the um, the reason that his mother decided to leave Korea was to chase after American materialism. And that's why he developed this really sort of strong anti-materialist ideology that he kind of disguised, I think in his video to make himself seem like some, you know, like this wasn't really about politics when it, it it was clearly rooted in um, sort of the immigration trauma. And uh, it just, you know, I mean, he was obviously a pretty crazy dude, but that, you know, and I, and I've heard a lot of young Asian guys, youngish Asian guys uh, say similar things about why the fuck did we come here? Or like, you know, a lot of, you see a lot of Asian guys, even American born Asian guys uh, pining to leave and go to Asia, move to Asia. in, In fact, it happens. Uh, because the environment in America is not just hostile to us I, I because of to, racism. I talked to, but, I talked to Douglas Kim. I know that he and I, like, you know, had a, a bit of a, a like a mutual. He's an interesting guy. I mean, he's, yeah, he's kind of nuts, beef but he's a interesting guy. Back, but uh, yeah. you know, in his, I mean, we're we're you know we're okay now. Like we we kind of buried the yeah. hatchet. But uh, this is something that you're not okay. You just think you are, but yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> for the moment, for the moment, at least. Yeah, for the moment. Yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, the, you know. It, it, 
And, and I think that like a lot of the positions he takes, I think, are just like either like deliberately inflammatory or just like straight up bigoted. But there is something that he does say uh, at whatever state of mind that he's in, and at any point that we've had patients, this is sort of like the through line that seems to guide him, which is that I don't feel like I belong here, and there's no reason for me to be here. I should be there instead. Like there is yes. something that is fundamentally hostile to Asians, particularly Asian males um, in American culture. And I don't want any part of it. And, and yeah. I, 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 in many ways, I sympathize with that. And you know it's, why it's particularly acute now? Especially for uh, certain East Asian men like Koreans and Chinese? Mm. Because the alternative is an actual viable alternative. Like we could actually see ourselves having a better life in Asia because the material conditions there are pretty damn good. Yeah. So not only... Is it something of like, you know, I feel like America is hostile to, you know, the life I want to live, but Asia looks pretty fucking good in comparison. I mean, if I'm, so I'm going to uh, like, uh, you know, uh, be like relegated to a lower uh, level of like masculine because uh, in a society where I don't want to, you know, necessarily, why, why do I have to like, you know, prove my... Uh, self in order for me to be considered a man uh, in that capacity. And, and it's so crazy also, like, I mean, to touch, to touch on this point, uh, almost always, like, this, this argument is uh, broached from the standpoint of, like, romantic interests. And I think, like, it doesn't necessarily have to do with just that. Like, a lot of uh, discussions of this is, is, like, it's about how, you know, it dates all the way back to the Chinese Exclusion Act and, like, how, um, you know, Chinese immigrants were demonized. They, their women, uh, their wives were not allowed to come with them and therefore, like, they were isolated and, like, uh, so that they can be accurately characterized as like, uh, sorry, uh, so they can be credibly characterized as like, you know, uh, sexual, uh, sexually frustrated under or like. You know, the, uh, the yeah, the bachelor like, societies and the page yeah. act, yes. And stuff like that. And, uh, and, and again, like this kind of like goes into this, uh, quickly goes into this trope of uh, then ex highly qualified professionals. Uh, come whether it's from South Asia or like East Asia, and that's the only way in which you could, you know, validate yourself in American society. You have to like s settle for a second uh, tier or third tier level of like being considered masculine, and then like you know this immediately. I mean, that's what like gets lost in this whole minority myth. It's that it's it's not that just that like you are expected to behave, but that you are perpetually going to be considered as a level below. Uh, what is considered the masculine standard and like you're constantly going to have to prove yourself uh, one way or the other in order to even be considered uh, a man and and that, that's like uh, that that's always always like discussed from the standpoint of uh, you know uh, wanting to attract like white women or something like that or wanting to attract like partners of a different ethnicity or something like that but like i think it just has to do with self-actualization i don't know uh, that it has necessarily only to do with like loneliness or uh, wanting validation from uh, white people or other ethnicities, uh, especially in the form of, you know, uh, finding yourself a mate. Uh, but this is like, uh, isn't isn't this like the, the kind of norm that you have to settle for this level of like being a second tier dude as opposed to uh, the, the upper ranks are left, uh, are like, you know, accessible only to either uh, white people or like and i i think like this is kind of that's a very but i think that's a very young young horny guy young dumb and full of cum kind of characterization of it i don't know if that applies necessarily to like an older guy in the 60s you know like like we see in monterey park i mean right. you know like yes i do think that that 
is one way of putting it, uh, especially for younger guys who are, you know, playing the playing the dating game, playing the mating game, you know, working the apps and, you know, whatever. Um, so it was weird to see in this case, like, it wasn't some, you know, like, teenager or sexually frustrated college student like an Elliot Roger, um, but an old guy. You know, I think that that's, 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 that's the puzzle. That's the thing that sort of kill, like at least says it's more, it's, it's more than just young, frustrated, you know, Asian guys who can't get laid. Yeah. I mean, if we were to that, go beyond that, the if you go beyond the stereotype and like, if I were to put on my tinfoil hat, it seems almost too convenient that like, it was a Chinese guy killing other Chinese people or like an Asian man killing other Asian people. Listen, dog, because, listen, yeah. like if you start getting me down this strategy of tension, like slippery slope, I'm going to start. Um, and actually, as a matter of fact, like somebody in the, uh, the chat, plant-based Qaddafi just brought up a Twitter thread, which I have bookmarked. I've had this one <laughs> bookmarked for a little while that talks about how, uh, mass shooters often have FBI contacts or the FBI was aware that they were talking about mass shooting in online spaces, particularly on Discord, before these things even happened. Like even the Buffalo shooter, for example, was in a Discord where a quote-unquote retired FBI agent was present in the chat and saw everything that he was saying and didn't notify anybody. I mean, is that what, what, what's with all this, like, stop Asian hate stuff and, like, you know, uh, gaining traction and there's a, there's a genuine kind of uh, paranoia among, uh, rightly so, among Asian people that, like, there's, uh, that they're not welcome, etc. And then, like, uh, suddenly you see two shootings where uh, both the perpetrators and the victims are Asian and now it seems like, oh, it's not just, like, uh, American ethnicities that are, like, or whatever, like, you know, uh, you know the, it's not just, like, white dude killing Asians or... Uh, the black people having like a, a incidents with Asians, uh, but now Asians are killing Asians as well. Therefore, everything is now like yeah. uh, neutralized and the slate is wiped clean. Yeah, I'm I'm giving this one a solid like three to four weeks before all the information comes out on on these two shooters, um, both the uh, the shooter in Monterey and the one at uh, at Half Moon Bay. Um, that one actually, Teen, I know you said you, you didn't really know much about that one, but that one that one took place on a farm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. The shooter, the shooter visited the farm and started uh, shooting employees. Which again, yeah, there's a lot of Chinese farm workers in California, and a lot yeah. of them work on. I don't know if that that was just like a regular food farm, but I know there's a lot of. I, I, my friend was telling me there's actually a lot of Chinese, um, older Chinese farm workers who can't really get paid much in China anymore, so they come here and work on grow farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a. I don't know if you recall. There was a. There's a guy. He was just arrested in Florida recently. There was a mat. There was an. They he killed like four or five guys in in Oklahoma execution style had them had them bound up and, and executed four or five it was all Chinese on Chinese crime and uh, you know it was at a it was at a marijuana grow farm in Oklahoma yeah I, I, again I'm gonna wait for about three to four weeks before all the information comes out on this because I, I just I don't think that mass shootings simply pop up out of nowhere like the amount of uh, mass shooters that have uh, either ties to three-letter agencies or people from those agencies were aware of these people and essentially didn't really show up. Uh, even though they were being surveilled, uh, these shootings happened to begin with. I, I don't know. I just, I, I trust nothing about most uh, U.S. agencies, especially uh, the FBI, NSA, et cetera. So 
They could be. They, they could I, be from I, the I, HR department. They could be from the HR department, and they're just recruiting, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "No, I'm saying, but they're, as they're for, just as evaluating these, whether this person has what it takes." As with, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you ship them, if you ship them over to China, do they have? Do they have the minerals? But yeah, I, I, I just, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I just don't see an accident, as you said, with with stop Asian hate um, being such a. Uh, well, wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald like all all connected to the fucking FBI yes, or was. CIA or something? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. but I was, I was saying with uh, with Stop Asian Hate being such a as we say force majeure um, in the uh, in in the, in the wake of uh, COVID and continuing to happen after the uh, the the lockdowns were released, like this is still happening. People are still literally like walking up to old Asian men and women and punching them in the face on the street. Uh, people are committing acts of random violence against Asian people. So with that happening and people talking about how it is that, uh, you know, Chinese people especially are being othered in America as America continues to ramp up for a potential hot war with China. I, I think for uh, I think for a, a lot of people who want to continue to develop this tension with China and create a, uh, a propaganda campaign within America that demonizes China and Chinese, I don't know that you can really sort of have these two thoughts in your head at the same time. Stop Asian hate, but also, hey, we should go to war with China. And I, I think this is the pressure valve that ends up releasing that, is that Chinese people might be inherently violent and therefore possibly deserving of us going over there to liberate the Chinese people from the clutches of the evil CCP. But then they should have had that I go kill white people. So, <laughs> <laughs> Word. And, that I mean, would have like, really pushed that. Yeah. Two birds in one storm because, like, the next day, Wall Street Journal publishes an article that says, "Are there too many Asians?" I guess that's the point, right? Like, you get the Asian to, to both like ruin the reputation of Asians, but also kill a lot of Asians. Uh, it's kind of two birds in one storm. Yeah, yeah. When uh, when the Chinese institute a one-child policy, it's 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 horrible. It's barbaric. It's cruel. It's population control. And then when they relax the one-child policy. Uh, now there's just too many Chinese, there's too many Asians. So I guess you can never satisfy everybody. There are a lot of us, and that makes me feel comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> if there were like, you know, if there were only like a million of us, I'd be super yeah. like insecure. But there's like, there's there's literally like one four billion Chinese. I feel, it makes me feel. Yeah, l- it does. It does safe. make the prospect of a land, yeah, <laughs> like, prospect of a land war a lot less uh, a lot less tempting for. Uh, yeah, yeah. For it's a her- it's the safety in herds, man. You know? I, I, okay, I also wanted to talk about uh, you know something. Uh, God, I don't like to get into gender discourse, but let's I, do it. I, no, I, okay, I hate doing it, but I I also get in there. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that after the Atlanta shooting, which did not involve any Asian guys whatsoever, it was a white dude that went into... Nails like, yeah. Yeah, went into uh, spas and massage shops. And yeah. Killed a bunch of he was upset there. because they said that those Asian ladies had addicted him to their sexual services and he couldn't concentrate. So why the, why the fuck were Asian guys in that conversation at all? Like, why were they dragged into that conversation? Uh... They, I think it was, um, they, were we, what did they say about yeah. us? Uh, I, I, I remember there being like a very brief discourse that it got, was the other ones. It was, hold on, it, it, was got, it got squashed yeah. almost immediately. No, no, no. There was a discourse that went something to the effect of like, that this is also the, the, uh, the fault of MRAs and they need to interrogate how, like how it is that their ideology, um, 
is very similar, if not the same, as the type of guy that would really? go into a massage shop and shoot people. Yeah. Okay, but what what's the connection? Like what? I don't know what, what I, I mean, don't even, know what the, here's the even, thing. I don't know what the no, connection but even was. if no, but even if it's a it's a shitty connection, what did they yeah. say, or did they just say that and not offer any connection? They're, They're both yeah. assholes. There was no connection offered. It's that Asian guys are just like this guy. Like I said, guilt by free association. You get the feeling with a lot of these, some of these people, like including that tweet by uh, Queen about how um, you know the the one about Asian male culture. You get the feeling like they don't really mean Asian male culture. They mean like that this Korean dude that they dated. <laughs> You know, like, <laughs> yeah. they're talk they're really talking about that, you know, they're talking about Kevin Nguyen. Well, I mean, I, I, do, I, no, I, I do, I do always believe that whenever you're, you have people that will drag an entire demographic, and this isn't just like, it's not just women that do this, like, uh, men do this just as frequently, if not more. Like, I see, mm -hmm. like, black men talk about this with black women, and talk about black women as if, like, they're, like, an enemy to the race or something. I see this shit happen mm -hmm. all the time, and that's that they're reading their own experiences into a specific story as if that story yes. describes everybody. Yeah. So it's like, you know, so we, we have to, you know, get, we have to form a circle of protection around Asian women. And by Asian women, I mean me, you know, from yeah. these, uh, these, these horrendous, like, incel Asian guys. This happened significantly after uh, the, the, the actual horrific uh, stabbing uh, death of uh, the, the woman who lived in New York City. Um, and right after that, uh, as was I that, saw, uh, like, I mean, was in, that uh, your, or no. Christina? No, no, sorry, Christina Unali. Christina Unali. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, at that time, um, like I saw nothing but like among all the Asian people that I follow, at least like East Asian people, like including Keen, I saw nothing but like uh, the utter like extreme protectiveness and like just concern all over, uh, all across the board, and like for some reason, the the kind of like articles and like the whatever like the, the, the you know the, the twitter it uh basically came out and uh said something about you know asian dudes have to examine asian communities have to examine their anti-blackness or something like that and like this is this seems to be like a, also a common trope every time like there's some kind of um victimization of uh any kind of like you know elderly asian or whatever uh immediately it becomes like a critique of like that's because of asian anti-blackness etc etc and the, it's almost always like and again like this brings brings us back to the question of it's like the moral minority stuff and all of that like it's almost always like everything has to be inward looking there is no point where like you get to point at any anything like it doesn't have to be an individual it doesn't have to be a community it doesn't have to be a structure or an institution and say that's what's fucked up it's always got to be like okay i've got to be the one who like looks into but looks inward and changes Otherwise, like, you know, the, the society. Oh, team, 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 I fucking found it. Here we go. Here we go. With the recent anti-Asian attacks in Atlanta, I hope Emirations realize they've been playing a role in parroting reactionary, misogynist, and borderline white supremacist talking points under the guise of being pro-Asian. For too oh, long, shit. subreddits like our Asian identity have been spaces for these people to dox and harass other Asians, more specifically Asian women. It's time to wake the fuck up. Yeah, that, that, I mean. That was, that was one of many. Yeah, Okay. Uh, that's that sounds like par for the course, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and why the fuck is it always inward looking though? Like is because it, because yeah. the, because because I think that this stuff, you know, here's the thing: is like it's bait, and the more you know, I do see a lot of guys, and when I, I used to get upset about this stuff because I'm like, you can't be fucking serious here, and then I realized the answer is, oh yeah, I'm right. They're, they can't be fucking serious. They're not serious. They're not making a serious argument. They're making, they're baiting people into 
They're trying to use these inflammatory events to try and steer the conversation and the action towards the thing that they really want to talk about, which is how they got hurt by someone in the community. They got hurt by an, an Asian guy. Something happened. Look, it's not, I mean, a lot of this stuff comes down to the interpersonal. I mean, I did remember like I had a bad breakup with the girl once and it was probably my fault. And she told me straight up, you know, like she threatened me. She was like, I'm going to go date a white guy. <laughs> like, you know, this kind of thing. It's you know, not that I care. It's just that there is a deep interpersonal aspect to a lot of this stuff where you really get the sense that, you know, the, the queen girl is really, she's saying like, we need to interrogate that guy, Kevin, that I expected more from because he was an Asian guy, but he treated me like sh dog shit. Maybe he did. I don't know. You know? Okay. And I, yeah, you, you see what I'm saying? I think, a, I mean, I, I don't know. It, I'm not saying I, this I, looks. I, I understand, but I, I don't under, I, okay. I understand the reasoning. Yeah. I don't understand why this is a political conversation that people feel is urgent to have. Because, because there's, there's no other time that they can have it, I think. Like because it, like this is the moment in which like an Asian uh, themed thing is in the news, so they have to get out all of their Asian related takes. Because at any other point, like being Asian is not really relevant to the zeitgeist. Like otherwise, you gotta wait until like Simulu uh, stars in another. Uh, yes, movie. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Every any time. And by the way, that, some, that motherfucker any... doesn't return my DMs anymore. God damn it. <laughs> No, because I, I, yeah, I used to, I used to talk to him semi-frequently back when he was like a sort of a, a local Canadian celebrity. Ah, uh, when he was yeah. on, when he was on that great show, at least Convenience. it was great for a while. Kim, yeah. Kim's Convenience. Yeah. yeah I love yeah, that yeah, show. Yeah. When, yeah. When he was uh, more local to Toronto, like he, he did talk to, mm -hmm. you know. Like, yeah. Like, okay. Cool. Like Toronto related political people. He did talk about mm -hmm. like, his experiences being sort of like profiled or having people like stay out of pocket shit to him as an Asian guy in Toronto. But uh, yeah, ever since he went Hollywood, he don't return DMs no more. So seeing if you're can listening I, to this, get at him, motherfucker. You know, can I just tell you how fucking perfect and ironic his that whole quest for media rep in Hollywood is? Is that right? Like, so the the call the all we ever talk about is how Asian men are 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 asexual or you know otherwise dickless in the movies, mm. and he's now playing like an Asian Ken doll in the Barbie movie. Which is oh, literally oh, a no. Oh, no. dickless. Oh, no. It's literally dickless. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Holy shit! Oh god, dude. <laughs> literally oh, dickless. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just yeah, saying, yeah. full yeah, circle. Yeah. No, same dude deleted his tweets about Marky Mark when he got cast in a movie with Marky Mark. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. Movie. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. I, I sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Kartik. No, you go ahead. But that's the, but that's the thing. Like the moment, uh, you know, you the only moments in which you have any kind of discourse around. Uh, Asian or like South Asian, I mean, like uh, South Asian discourse is also like equally annoying. Like every time it has got to be like, you know, uh, investigating anti this like misogyny or some kind of like uh, phobia or whatever. Um, and it's almost always a, a coinciding with some sort of like news event. It's it's never like, you know, relevant to the U.S. zeitgeist when that's not like in vogue. So it, it, it just so happens that like, these killings were the times where uh, these people actually had um, a, a brief presence in the, you know, in, in the popular, uh, popular cultural imagination. Therefore, they had to like get that takes in at that time. Yes, yes, because they're always trying to steer it 
in the direction of the interpersonal. It's just, it's just sublimating, you know, really very personal stuff. Yeah. Onto onto these large events, and it, it makes no sense. And I think it should just be ignored. It's bait. There's no, there's nothing to wrestle with there. There's no. It's pure. It's just no, psychological. It's, no, it's a, it's amazing, actually. no, you're you're going through the same shit that happened with like uh you know with black people. So, hmm. uh, you know from from 2014 forward, um, the conversation was generally about how you know black people were uh, the subjects of police violence, police profiling, et cetera, et cetera, um, targets of vigilantes. But, like, if we're being honest, like, we know the, like, the vast majority of the people affected happen to be black men. And then you had an entire movement built up around dead black male bodies. And they would often say that we should decenter ourselves and move ourselves to the back and let other people uh, take the lead for once. And I think that, that for the most part, did happen. <laughs> and then they ended up being, like, you know, scammers uh, that pilfered the community for literally millions of dollars. But... Um, in the in the evolution of that that conversation, you it started with a trickle and then became a flood of okay sure they may be the subjects of police violence however they are also like brutal they're violent they are misogynistic uh, black men are basically like what is holding the black community back altogether so they it starts off with it's terrible that these acts of uh, white supremacist violence and carceral state violence are happening against black men. But if you, if you really think about it, they do kind of deserve it. And it seems like in the Asian community, it's like you guys are going on speed run with that conversation. Like this, the turnaround for that happened somewhere between about 2014 to about 2020. And for the Asian community, it seems like that's happened within from like 2020 to 2023 now. Like we're all the way into the weeds with, yeah, Asian guys are pretty shitty. And whatever sort of violence goes their way, they do kind of deserve it. I mean, that's also because, like, I feel like uh, hip-hop culture is mainstream and therefore there's a lot of uh, opportunities to trash black dudes, uh, which aren't there for Asian dudes as much. And therefore you got to, like, capitalize on every possible opportunity that shows up. I mean, like, yeah. you know, wait until, you know, there's a... I mean, like, right now BTS is just, like, breaking into the, uh, the pop scene. And, like, uh, the, the moment there's more black artists in the in, in, in on billboard charting uh you're gonna have like i think like a lot more of these kind of like condemnatory uh pieces being written about like black masculinity and so on um i mean like aziz ansari did that for like indians for a, for a brief while the moment like his shit went down uh there were like a, a ton of like articles that basically uh said like there was something to, that needs to be problematized about indian south asian masculinity as well and like there's a lot of uh inter what do you internalizing of uh you know old sexist uh tropes and so on and whatnot like and they were like completely unrelated to his shit like it's that's the craziest thing like kind of takes that you would see here's I, the thing I, though I, 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 I was, real quick i was gonna say i see this yeah. actually happening with jackson wang now the uh the uh the rapper jackson wang who got yeah. on the stage yeah. in the uk and basically said like hey stop demonizing china china's dope I mean, long story short, that's what he was saying. Yes. And now people are accusing him of being a genocide denier. Hmm. Yeah. Right. It's like you can't see anything positive. You mean the Uyghur him. thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That uh, he, he, you mm -hmm. know, calling China dope, but he's ignoring the, genoc the genocide against Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. Which, if anybody knows how I feel about that, because I spent a hell of a long time like researching where that shit, like where that narrative came from and what's yeah. actually behind it. And it's like, no, I'm it's a CIA op. It's crazy. It's, it's a, yeah, it's an, it's the NSA mm. op. 
Yeah. You, you know, like, yeah. I, I, but like just, I just like, but, sorry, you go ahead. You should finish this. Talk. I was going to get to the chat uh, comment just now, but you finished that. Oh, what was? Let me see the comment. What's I mean, the like comment? they were talking about like uh, uh, get see. on figures like FD signifier Jason Wilson and some other. Oh God! I think okay. I I actually haven't said anything about FD signifier like publicly, but I have no problem saying that FD signifier is a disingenuous fucking hack and one of the most annoying people on social media. I I really do not fucking like that dude. What here's the thing? I don't like is I don't like when black people that develop a platform make an not just a habit but like have a determined project towards shitting on other black people and black people of their their political persuasion uh taking the words out of context twisting things and then trying to act as if they're being fair and objective and he he does this sort of like throw stones and hide your hands shit i saw him do this with uh, another youtuber that goes by the name of kidology and she does some pretty interesting videos on like basically on she does what are, I like uh, her. Soci- She's good. Kidology yeah, she is does, cool. I like it. Soci- yeah. yeah, she does what are basically sociology videos. She'll she'll find a particular trend happening on social media or in pop culture generally, and throw a sociological spin on it to try and understand it. And uh, she did one on what is. Holding she's good on. looking too. I mean, she's really attractive. Oh, anyway. she's absolutely gorgeous. Um, yeah. But, uh, but she talks like she's not. It's so weird. It's like so weird seeing like yeah, a really attractive woman talk about talk like a female incel. You know. I don't yeah. think she, I don't know if I would call her a female Lensa. I think it's really more that she's had um, she has been open about this. She's talked about like you know not really dating very much, um, but I, I think she does sort of talk about herself in a way as if she's almost like not attractive. Not, not just not just not attractive, <laughs> but somehow yeah. repul- somehow repulsive. Yes, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. It's it's it, so it interesting. Is. It is, it's and strange. it makes it's, her. Yeah. It makes her really anyway. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's all good. Really but but so yeah. no, but she did a really good video on you know what is holding the left back, and I think the sort of the thesis of it is that the left tends to focus on micro issues, and and have like uh, you know essentially like internecine wars over micro issues, and not only ignore but deliberately tell people not to focus on or try to analyze macro issues, and I think what. FD signifier did uh, when he sort of like broke down this video was act as if when she says micro issues, she's saying these issues aren't important where what she meant was no, no, these are issues that affect a fairly small portion of the population. doesn't mean that they're not important. You mean like trans issues or something? Exactly. And that's what she spoke Mm -hmm. about. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. these, these issues affect a small portion of the population. doesn't mean that they're not important, but as you talk about those issues, you cannot, make your entire ethos about those micro issues or those issues that affect a smaller portion of the population without addressing the macro issues, issues that affect a larger portion of the population. In order to create some sort of a synthesis, you have to be able to wed those two together. At least that's what I took from her video and FD Signifier and like three other panelists, by the way, who didn't even invite her to rebut or have a conversation about her video, basically like took the whole thing apart and made her out to be some sort of like a a right-wing provocateur. So I, I just I, I think he is a disingenuous piece of shit, and I really don't like him. That wait, that kidology is a right no, wing. F, yeah, yeah, they were trying to make kidology. So FD signifier was saying kidology is a right wing. That's what uh, him and his panel. Well, I mean, he he implied it, and they said it out loud. Like he he right. implied it, and his panelists said it out loud. So I, I really don't like right. that. I, I think that if you're going to talk to or about other black people. Uh, on a, in a public setting, you uh, you owe it to them to at least have a conversation with them, 
and I'm, you know, I'm happy to sit down and talk to him whenever, but I just thought that that was inc- like, that was incredibly hacky and he does that really often. Um, well, and it sucks because Kidology is actually literally like, like quite interesting. And I think a lot of people, I, I know in our discord for like, which is mostly like Asian, you know, Asian Americans and whatever, mostly guys. I mean, a lot of people really like her channel. No, I think so. I think, uh, what would the, what would the uh, point of be dismissing her? You know, like it has reach. Me and T from Champagne Sharks have been wanting to talk to her for uh, for a hot minute. I think she has. Is she responsive? Uh, she she I think she had responded to him, and they just had trouble figuring out a time that did work. Oh, okay, cool. To have a conversation. Okay. I, I, well, I, I hope mean, it, it works did, out. I disagree with a lot of her points of view. I mean, she was one of the people that also sort of pushed forward that that narrative about uh, genocide happening in, in Xinjiang. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I disagree with her on these issues doesn't mean that I I don't think I can talk to her. And yeah, exactly. That's, so FE signifier, and a lot of other people, uh, Jason Wilson, a lot of people do this thing where, uh, where it comes to like other black people, they'll turn into the fucking Terminator. They'll just like mm, yeah. nuclear on them, but they talk with their inside voice when they're addressing or talking about white people. And oh, I, yeah. I find that, yeah, I find that incredibly cowardly and repulsive. Asians but isn't that, that yeah, that's what I was going to say. Isn't that like the entire uh, like MO of like, most media figures who are minority, like minority media figures. And I feel like I've, I've only added. Yeah. Like a, to, like a Jeff Yang does that kind of shit. I think I've only attributed yeah. that to the fact that like in the U S imagination, there seems to be room for only like two or three people of like any yeah. minority ethnicity. And therefore you have to, it's like Royal Rumble and you have to like, yeah, the they, last they, man standing. they make it their job to knock other people of their, like their ethnic background. They make it their job to knock people off the perch. And we have a name like, for them. They're they're Hanjin. They're they're fucking narcs. They're they they yeah. they've crossed they've crossed the class or other political b- border of antagonism that's been made a little bit porous on the racial on the racial front. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that have gone, you know, f- like tunneled their way through and they're now like they think of themselves as like Hollywood establishment or mm-hmm. think tank establishment and they they pretend to have this like strong connection to Asian community, but they don't. They yeah. just say that so that well, it's, if it wasn't it's, for if it wasn't for like anti-Asian violence, they would still be writing articles about stinky lunch. Yeah, whatever. it But whatever it takes for them to like have a reason to raise their hand at the at the symposium, mm-hmm. you know, because like, oh, that's that Asian dude that represents all Asian people. Like, call on him. Yeah. See what see what the Asian people think. Yeah, but I'm yeah. like, dude, no, no, we totally disavow this motherfucker. Like, we don't know who this guy is. <laughs> You know, like yeah, he, uh, I get that. He's a, he's a fucking shit. No, yeah. but do you? But okay, but the, black people do the one particular thing that I find just like it's it's such a it's a, it's a turnoff and it's repulsive. And I think that anybody who does this like ought to be disregarded. And that's that they take it past like simply knocking people off the perch and into the realm of like violence. So I, I saw a, a dude. Uh, I think what's his name? Uh, anyway, I forget the guy's name, but a, a, a guest that FD Signifier had on his show. And I guess the guy had a problem with Dr. Tommy Curry, which fine. If you have a problem with Dr. Tommy Curry, then you two should just like sit down and talk it out. But, but that guy guy's was, Curry is like eminently like reasonable in person. Like he seems like a very like yes. He, 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 I mean, he, he, he doesn't throw he doesn't throw bombs and shit. I mean, no. no. If he disagrees with you, yeah. he will tell you why. And I, I, yeah. I, I highly respect. Even when I disagree with yeah. him, yeah. I know that he will sit and explain the reasoning behind right. his point of view. But. Uh, and I noticed that his critics not only like have a problem with them, but try to recruit other people, including white people, into basically like making him persona non grata. And now it's gone to the realm of people like threatening violence against them. So this guest that Damn. He, uh, 
Yeah, so this guest that FD Signifier had on had basically said, oh, yeah, when it, when it comes to him, it's on site. And it's like, man, first of all, you've never been in a fight in your fucking life. And second of all, you're, you're willing to threaten violence against another black man because you don't like his opinions? What the fuck is wrong with you? Didn't Curry, like, have to fucking exp- expatriate to, like, the UK yeah, or something? To, to Scotland. He had to leave. To, to Scotland? Yeah. He yeah. had to leave Texas mm-hmm. and go to Scotland because of white supremacist threats against him and his family. And the university refused to defend him. Why? Because in his classroom, he had a he was having a debate or not a debate, a conversation about the movie Django Unchained, and he posed the question, which I think is a very reasonable one, which is, in the course of uh, anti-slavery revolution, that is when slaves throw off their chains to liberate themselves, is it not necessary to kill white people? And the reason for that conversation was, oftentimes we have this sort of like, uh, like sterile narrative about revolutionary warfare and we don't get down to the very uncomfortable like we don't get into the mud we don't get into these really uncomfortable aspects yeah we get a movie like amistad or something exactly where the the guy becomes sapient and and is able to piece a sentence together and they're like oh my god he's human we love him yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. adam saves him that's the whole point of the movie yeah yeah do do this do the slaves not have a right if not a possibility an obligation to kill their captors and that that's a conversation that doesn't often get had especially in like hollywood media which, again, is a fairly reasonable question to ask. And then Rod Dreher, I guess somebody had in his classroom, had, had run it up the flagpole. Rod Dreher got a hold of it. And then he oh, let, yeah, led a harassment campaign that yeah. uh, resulted in violent threats against Dr. Curry, his wife, and their family. And uh, the university refused to stand up for him. He ended up leaving uh, teaching in Edinburgh. Isn't that proof of his credibility? Isn't yeah. that proof? That he's a credible person on this? That he had to fucking get run out? What is he yeah. saying? I mean, it I must mean, be some... I'm teaching at Edinburgh. It's also Edinburgh is not like an easy place to go and teach at, right? But it's not America is the key. He had to get the fuck out, you know? Uh, um, also, yeah, I mean, like... Black men running to Europe generally signifies that they're saying something that's not welcome <laughs> in America. So I'm saying there's a history of that in there. Yeah, you would yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, isn't, I, I, this, yeah. isn't this the same like uh, country that is like right now celebrating uh, RRR, which is all about like these two Indian dudes like just beating yeah. the fuck out of like uh, British people? <laughs> isn't that, I mean, like, yeah. is, is is it only because like that they're British, or if it was like uh, Americans that they would actually now be up in arms against it? Like, Listen, I mean, dog. even okay, even uh, remember that uh, that that Predator movie? What was it? Uh... Pray, pray. Prey, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie, they actually took a bit of a feint. Like, they made a last-second diversion. I was like, oh, no, 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 you fucking cowards. And what they did was the, the white people that uh, the, the main character, whose name I forgot, um, but the main character who was, I believe she was playing a Cherokee woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of, like one of the, the, the Plains uh, nations. But uh, the, the white people that she ends up um, having to fight and who the, the predator ends up fighting as well, uh, were not um, Americans that were... In, they were French. Were yeah. They were French. And it's like, hang on a second. First of all, the French wouldn't have been there at that time. And even if they were, the Coureur du Bois oftentimes forged alliances with the, uh, with the people that they met and made contact with. So not to say that the French were not antagonistic to them ever, but it is not likely that this conflict would have happened. It is much more likely that it would have been the British, um, if anybody. I'll tell you this. I, this is this was my rationality because I kind of liked that movie, and I thought that like the, it had to be a conscious choice because the predator was the the 
American slash mm. like the, the pilgrims oh, or the I British see, people. Therefore, yeah. it has to be some other ethnicity to cut, draw the contrast to show that like these were the French people, which means the predator is the actual like the the colonialists or whatever. I guess so, but then yeah, but I, I see. I don't I don't dabble in subtext. Okay, I I, do, <laughs> I think subtext is for cowards. So yeah, I, I think I think you're right in some ways, but even um, the thing will happen there. And I think Americans have a white Americans in particular have a very difficult time looking themselves in the mirror that way. Not just admitting that uh, you know that that they are responsible for uh, for genocide, for slavery, etc., but also, and this means that if violence is committed against us in that context, we do kind of fucking deserve it. They can't take that last step. Yeah, like dudes would uh, rather ban look, Tony Morrison from look, all classrooms than go to therapy. Look, here's here's a here is a, a lesson that I've learned as a Chinese American, and I think this is pretty, maybe somewhat unique to a Chinese American. There's not many things that are unique to us, but this might be unique because in my lifetime, I'm 44 years old. I have seen China. Oh man, you're older f- than me. I thought I was the senior. No man, I'm I'm old as shit. Okay, man. I thought I thought I was the oldest guy on the internet. 45 this year. Um, okay. Yeah. So I've seen in my lifetime China go at least, so especially the perception, if not just if, if not also the reality. Mm. But I've seen China go from a poor, impoverished. Uh, a subordinated ally of the United States to a much more uh, wealthy, powerful antagonist. It is the, the, it is the most highly developed superpower in the world right now. Like, that's just long story short. Yeah. And it's, not not it, only did this happen in your lifetime, but like, oh, it's yeah. really like over the course of a hundred years. I don't like, I no, but cannot, I cannot yeah, it's, imagine that. It's crazy. It's a, it's a crazy that. change of circumstance. Mm. And as a Chinese American, I've spent my whole life, I was born here, I've, I've, I've only, I've seen this from afar, but what I've noticed, and I've always been highly attuned to American attitudes about China is, you know what, they actually like Chinese a lot more in a sort of like pat your head, you know, kind of, I like, you know, the, what was that song, the, um, the, the uh, uh, I like Chinese, they only come up to your knees, you know, they're, they're eager to please, that kind of thing. But they were friendly and had this sort of like paternalistic love for Chinese people mm-hmm. when China was a poor backwards country, uh, especially yeah. in our minds. Mm-hmm. As China developed economically and began to assert itself and its sovereignty, that's when the hatred of China really started to ramp up. Yeah, yeah. And I don't. I know there, there's a million reasons. Well, for think, example, I think, like I, I can put, I, can, I think I could put like a a marker on that one, and that was when because uh, I remember this happened under Jiang Zemin's uh, um, yeah presidency, which was when uh, China basically like uh, it was somewhere between 1992 and 94. I'm pretty sure it was in 94 where they essentially said like we actually aren't interested in any further um, global development within China. This is pretty much where it stops. And I, I remember Bill Clinton back then pivoting from being a friend of China to having some very sort of like cautious thoughts about China. And it, it gradually just got worse from there when it became very apparent that China was not going to let itself continue to be subordinated by the West. Yeah. And, and what I've noticed now is like they'll give you a million and one reasons why China is worthy of our disdain. They're too authoritarian. They're do whatever. But I'm like, dude, all of those things were more true of China like – 30, 40 years ago. Right, but right. I remember that the attitudes towards China, like even after Tiananmen Square, 
was a lot more positive. That, like the U.S. didn't really respond in any negative way to China after Tiananmen Square. I mean, right? wasn't this like during so, the Sino-Soviet uh, split? Yes, no, I, exactly. I, I, no, I, I think, was... I think, uh, I think I, uh, the the um, the flashpoint for antagonism towards China, and also like I, I guess like the Chinese culture, not just the country China itself, but Chinese culture generally, was mm. after the uh, the handover of Hong Kong in 1990. I think that kind of solidified the path that we went down. Maybe, maybe, but but. I think I think the thing. Well, in any event, I think it, I've seen it as a as as. I mean, I think you're trying to nail it to a specific event or turning point. But I've felt it opinion as sort of a continuous sliding scale. Right. And my point in bringing this up is not to talk about China. My point in bringing this up is that. Um, oh God, yeah. Sorry, if if Rory was here, he would have already like smacked my knuckles uh, over yeah. signal to let me know that hey, we're drifting into politics here. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. No. Sorry. I'm, yeah. No. I don't. I'm not trying to bring up China here. I'm trying to say that my experience is that um, that this that a lot of like woke cultures striving for like respect and recognition and basically like being liked mm-hmm. and being accepted. Uh, is actually an inverse relationship to the, um, to like sort of like your own, oh, okay. your, your own yeah, like yeah. independence and power. Yeah. Because well, the more yeah. independence and power you achieve, which is why, why I bring China up, it has become a much more powerful independent country over the course of the past several decades. Right. The racism directed at Chinese is, is in direct proportion to that. Right. So what I'm saying is like, if you, if you take that, if you kind of follow that logic, that means that a lot of like the, the, the culture that we have of anti-racism here is, it, it's kind of meant to keep you powerless. No, it's, it's like, like, a, it's, it's, like, like it's like Michael Parenti said, you know, American yeah. socialists love every, uh, every socialist revolution except for the ones that actually succeed. Once that actually, it's like the, yeah. the movie Phantom Thread, if you've seen like where the lady like slowly poisons the, guy and like that's how they basically have that relationship like that uh daniel de lewis has to be like uh slowly getting poisoned by this woman and like she's she every time he she he falls sick like she'll take care of him and that's their entire relationship and that's what's like revealed uh by the end i don't know if you guys know guys uh seen the movie or know what i'm talking about no no i I, but i get the analogy just real quick i just want to make sure that we Mm. let uh because we do have a caller and if anybody does to uh, to chime in Feel free to yeah. join the call or queue, but uh, Peter, you can go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just, I know you guys are in Philly, right? Philly, is it Philadelphia for, for you guys are based, Philly based? Oh, no, no. Philadelphia is actually just Rory's name for the show. It, it's a show, it's a show oh. for the fellas. Got so I see about the fellas. Okay, yeah, a team. I'm uh, I'm good to hear that you're born and raised here because uh, I actually used to you know uh, immigrated from China and all that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, I, I do a, a show on the calling too. And this Sunday, I'm going to talk about the genetics of the Anglo American hate against Chinese and mm-hmm. the Russians. Uh, all, all, I'm actually, gonna say, uh, all I'm going to say, Peter, you know, Godspeed yeah. and best of luck with that one. No, no, oh, actually, I, this is my new finding. I'm going to like, uh, put, like, it's a new level of hate. So let me, uh, we, uh, uh, just share with everybody why there's a lot of reason why white Americans should hate Chinese. Plain and simple. They don't talk, they don't teach you at school. In the Korean War, basically Chinese as a race is the only race 
had a face-to-face, mano-a-mano, armed battles with the white Americans. Incorrect. Incorrect. They're not even the first. That would be Japan. No. They actually lost. They, they, uh, they, they, who did not lose? I'm sorry. Okay. okay. You know, okay. in Korean War, it's a draw. How many people died in Korean War? American, white Americans? 38 or 37,000. Right? Mm-hmm. What about the Vietnamese? Okay, I'm going to tell. I did not know this until recently. Just another mm-hmm. layer of reason. Mm-hmm. Vietnam was colonized by French. So yes. everybody knows the Battle of Dien Bien Phu, right? Yeah, yeah. I did not know this. Dien Bien, in Dien Bien Phu, at the squad level, each squad of the Vietnamese, uh, Viet Minh, is directed by a Chinese <laughs> advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in That's other words, yeah. if you look at uh, your, on YouTube, there is uh, Mao in 1957 in Moscow. You will see the movie in which their Ho Chi Minh is in there. She he just uh, beat up the French, and you will see the excitement that Ho Chi Minh in that uh, documentary looks like a little kid. He is waiting to see Chairman Mao on the Moscow airport. Ma, uh, and that's the first time Mao is received by Soviet Union being the person who had a military draw with the Americans. Again, nobody has a fight white Americans. Mano a mano. Uh, uh, with uh, America has the air supremacy. Okay? Draw. Uh, military draw. So, now, the Bien Dien Phu, so French got defeated. It's again, uh, Asians beat up the Europeans. So now, American, white Americans want to get involved in Vietnam since 1947. Uh, U.S. started getting involved. Again, 58,000 Americans, mostly whites, died. Like Malcolm X said, the rice eaters are killing white Americans. The white body is in the back coming back to America. So, again, as we know, China is 100% behind the Vietnam. So that's two reasons. You, you get, you know, it's like a George Cut, uh, Cut, uh, what's that, the, uh, the Battle of the Big Horn? Yeah. It's like, a, do that many, many times. Like Malcolm X said, you really have to inflict the exact same injury and death towards these racial oppressors to teach them a lesson. And Chinese is the only one who did that. So for all the hate by the mainstream media from left and right, as long as they're white, you have to understand. So that's well, what, what I want. No, I, I, I agree. I think that's, I mean, I, I'm not even, I think that that's a pretty widely accepted narrative among people who are serious about this, right? So you heard Kieran Skinner, if you remember that name from the State Department, had said that the difference between the Cold War with the Soviet Union and now this quote great power struggle with China is that they're non they're not white. This is the first non white peer peer yeah. peer competitor. Yeah, okay. a black lady said that. I, I really applaud yes. her. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. And she got fired. She got fired. She, oh, she really? that was the end of that was the end of her career. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Because she spoke the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. But the quest. But my question is, okay, what is the point? Are you just trying to sort of pop, like, sort of spread this idea so that people understand it, or? But is there some what it's okay assuming let's let's assume it's true because there's no re- I mean I think it is true 
what what is the what what does that mean for like let's say Chinese living in America that are that are fa facing racism or like what, or, sure. or what, yeah. what what broader lesson or or thing can you distill from this? Great great, great point. Yeah, I'm going to answer. Yeah. I actually did it in one of my episode. The lesson mm -hmm. is uh, the Korematsu. Uh, one of the Supreme Court decision yeah. is that uh, the U.S. government under the uh, under the under the color of a national security, using that as an ex excuse, can yeah. imprison a mass one hundred twenty thousand uh, uh, domestic persons without yes. a trial. Right. Yes. So 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 think of that. Not only this is a, a very bad Supreme Court decision, it's also a very serious. Uh, 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 I would say, uh, almost like a war crime for the reasons this. The Japanese Americans back then played no role in the, in, in the bombing of a Pearl Harbor, right? They should be, in my opinion, they should be treated like Jews in Europe. Like, like Adolf Hitler doesn't like Jews. And we, I understand that. But at least some of the Jews were allowed to leave Europe. They they sought refugee in China. They sought refugee in Hong Kong. They sought refugee in America, meaning that we don't trust you. If you leave, you know, get your belonging, get out. So, so to me, the Japanese Americans back then should have been treated as a war refugee. They oh, but that wasn't their real crime. That, the real crime wasn't I I, suspicion that they were spying or anything. The, the crime was that they owned too much farmland. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh they, uh, back then, the white Americans hate, uh, like I said, the whites will burn down the black Wall Street because the yeah, black yeah. people are getting too wealthy, right? Yes. Like the, the and the Japanese people, farmers were were like 2x more competitive who, who, than the white farmers, so they had to go. Exactly. <laughs> like the yeah. Chinese laundromat is too competitive, yeah. right? Yeah, so they had to the go. The Chinese yeah. gold rushers, they get finding too many gold, too much gold, right? Yes. I, going back, my, my, my whole point uh, for, for what I'm doing is this. The Japanese Americans back then should have been treated as a war refugee, be, meaning being allowed to leave to Mexico, Canada, whatever. Okay. To me, is that if there's a real war, even though I think it will be extremely unwise to the chi government of China to actually engage a war with the U.S., I think they should do everything possible to avoid war. Because I personally hate war, whether I'm American, I'm a human being. Uh, if that it ever breaks out, I actually do believe any Chinese person in this country should be allowed to go to United Nation to apply for a, for yeah. a refugee status because sure. we cannot rely on the U.S. Constitution or U.S. courts to say, oh... Yeah, I want to... I, I, for So if that's what you want to establish, I would suggest looking up a um, very underappreciated interview uh, or, or, or a Q&A that... Um, do you know uh, Scalia... Antonin yes. Scalia, the, yeah, the, the yeah. Colorado can, can be repeated. Yes. Yeah, so he, 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 he gave a speech before his death that said, yeah. you know, Korematsu is su supposedly a bad law, you know, supposedly they never formally overturned it. Exactly. But, but he said that you're kidding yourself. He said this verbatim. He said, you're kidding yourself if you think it's not going to happen again right. because, and I've always really liked what he said. Yes. He used a Latin phrase, which I think is inter arma enum silent legis, leg, legis or whatever. Oh, yeah. In times of war, the uh, laws fall silent. So don't think that the rule of law applies when exactly. there's a war this going is, on. Yeah, so I think that, 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 that perfectly crystallized. And again, he's a, he's a person that and nobody on the left will ever listen to um, because he's an evil 
you know, uh, you know, he's an evil uh, Catholic uh, agent, secret agent or whatever. But um, on that front, I think it's a very, you know, he has a, he has a reputation among, you know, people who study law to be brilliant uh, as a legal mind. Yes. Uh, it's not, it's not as a political entity, but that, that I thought was a brilliant, uh, exchange that for people who aren't quite convinced, it's like, look, a guy from the Supreme court is telling you, don't get too comfortable. <laughs> that shit is going to happen again if there's yep. a war. Okay, so yep. just tell actually you. during the Trump uh, administration, there's a, a initiative called the China Initiative, right? It's still going on. Biden never got rid of it. Exactly. Well, recently think, they did, but yeah, it's yeah, yes, the China think, Initiative. Yeah, yeah. I think there's about a uh, uh, four. Uh, long story short is that uh, uh, that uh, going back to your uh, what you say is that's exactly. Uh, what my show is about is that the court actually is not the source for justice. Actually, it's a source of racial oppression. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them, you know, is no, uh, the, it's the court who established the first slave in America. Mm-hmm. It's the court who set up the separate but equal doctrine. Both are for blacks, right? Mm-hmm. The court also, you know, in the, in the Dred Scott decision basically said that, uh, you know, that, that you know, there, there are there are no laws uh, or rights for black Americans that would that the white man is bound to respect. Yeah. Bingo. And also the court also the courts justify the treatment of uh, Puerto Ricans in the insular cases mm-hmm. and most recent cases. The court, yeah. You know, you know that, what the court is? Mm-hmm. It's a truth teller. <laughs> no, the court it is. is. It's a truth teller. It tells you the truth. <laughs> because what it says becomes the law, <laughs> so <laughs> it's the truth teller. The the uh, so the, the uh, yeah. going, going back to that, like that, to me, you know, my last hope really is the United Nation. Basically, if ever the war started, I said I have I played no role in the in the war between China and the U.S. But based on the U.S. law, which is case law, I can be locked up. So I want to apply for re- refugee status. I will go to Mexico. I will go to you know Cuba. Don't get any thoughts in your head about coming to Canada because we are gonna, we're going <laughs> to march right in lockstep with the Americans. You're, oh, you're, 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 yeah, <laughs> you're going to end up like uh, like the like the Huawei CFO. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just going to bring her up, right? Uh, what was her name? It was uh, Meg uh, Meng 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 Wenzhou. Meng yeah. Wenzhou. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah. so but, you know, what what I want to go back to what you said, uh, team earlier is this. What I feel comfortable is. No white Americans can tell me to go back to your shithole countries. You know, despite a lot of success with uh, like uh, uh, Indian Americans, I mean, uh, immigrants from India. Oh, no. When he when he mentioned that, uh, he was referring to Nigerian Americans. And it's funny because Nigerians actually have a higher level of education. Like the ones that are immigrating into America have a higher level of of education than most Americans. Nigerians are actually responsible for bringing up the mean... Uh, educational level of America. They don't actually yes. bring it down. Yeah, that's why they're dominating the Harvard admissions game. They're yeah. killing it. Yeah. Oh, Nigerians are some of the most highly educated people in the world. And yep. same thing happens here in Canada. When uh, Nigerians, within the first five years of immigrating to uh, Canada, the US, and the UK, within five years, they end up out earning their peers. Bingo. You, you know, you know, you know, Q, how you said that, like on the on the toxic male front, you've seen the Asian 
American discourse kind of like do the black thing, but in like fast forward. Well, as an Asian, I can say that with with among the black community, I can see the model minority thing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. No, it's it's funny because I've seen even though I make my jokes about Nigerians, I mean partially because I'm married to one, uh, so I'm allowed to do that. Um, But I, I see people have this this strange animosity towards Nigerians, and granted, like. I think some of them on social media can say some wildly out-of-pocket shit about black Americans, for example, but that doesn't make them a stand-in for every black or, or for every Nigerian or Nigerian American. And I, I see the same kind of like uh, sort of like simmering resentment for them that a lot of people had toward Jamaicans and Caribbean people in the 1970s and 1980s. And this the same was true was that a lot of uh, the second wave of Caribbean immigrants. Uh, this may not have been true in the 1960s because it was primarily. Uh, farmers and domestic labor, but uh, through the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, most of the Caribbean immigrants that were coming into the U.S., the Canada, and the U.K. were more highly educated and also ended up out earning their peers. Uh, and the, the same kind of resentments existed. Yeah. Did this also have to do with the 65 Act? Because that's supposed to be what brought uh, a lot of really highly qualified professionals from India as well. And that was supposed to be as uh, an anti social Oh, yeah. Boy. I'm sure they're, they're brain-draining the shit out of Nigeria and Haiti. Oh, yeah. And the- yeah. It's a brain drain program. Yeah, but uh, just uh, before I forget, I want you to plug my show a little bit that this Sunday, I'm going to give you a higher reason why the white Americans is going to hate the Chinese and the Russians. It's another level. It's no longer as historic reasons. It's because of the genetics. I'm gonna yeah, come on, uh, yeah, yeah, come on, ahead, come on, my podcast. We can talk. I can, like, we can push it on my podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me do that in my and because this is I actually invited someone to uh, challenge my theory because I this is my new finding. I said, boy, with this, I'm doomed in the U.S. Feel free. What's the what's the name of your show? Uh, called the Judicial White Privilege. The people like it. Privilege. All right, well, and then feel free like to a drop show. a link. Feel free to drop a link to your show in, oh, in the chat sure. as well. And okay, I was also cool. going to say, if uh, if anybody else had any uh, quick comments that they wanted to make, feel free to join the caller queue because otherwise we are just about ready to wrap it up. I think. Nice. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. no worries. No worries. Take yeah. It easy. Good talking to you. Um, yeah. So, Teen, uh, I don't know that anybody else is going to hop into the caller queue. Um, cool. Think, well, I mean, listen. Being able to sit around and just listen to you speak is entertaining enough as it is. So. Uh, <laughs> It's funny because uh, when you've, I think you've been on Media Masochist once, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on this one, and both times, the caller queue was incredibly low because I think just the interplay of the conversation with with having you on was uh, was entertaining enough. Um, there was one that I did about the Will Smith slap. It was a call in, and there yeah, were a lot yeah, yeah. Of, that yeah. was that was fun. <laughs> That was no. I remember. I think I was there for that. I'm pretty sure I was there for that. That was hilarious. yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Um, did you want to go ahead and plug your show before we go? Uh, sure. It's a podcast called Escape from Plan A, and uh, I think it might be interesting to a lot of non-Asian. It's an Asian American themed podcast, but I think we do things in a way that's pretty entertaining, and I think a lot of non-Asian people would find it very interesting. And we talk. We have conversations like the one we just had. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a uh, dedicated, long-time listener to your show. I uh, listen to it every. Wow. Appreciate time. it, man. Thanks. Yeah, all right. Well, I just want to thank you uh, very much for uh, for coming through, um, and I want to thank all of the uh, the audience members for listening. If you like the show, please support us by letting people know that we exist. We don't have a uh, fundraiser just yet, but we will be uh, in the, uh, the in the weeks upcoming. So yeah, uh, the best way that you can help us out is just to let people know that we're here every Tuesday and Thursday. Looks like nine thirty p.m. Eastern is the best time for us, so it's going to be nine thirty p.m. Eastern going forward. 
And uh, Kartik, did you have any uh, final words before we go? No, I'm good. Thanks, thanks for coming on, Dean, and uh, thanks for you know having me on as well. It's good. It's, yeah, it was, it was good connecting again, man. It's been a while. All right, y'all. Well, uh, 